What's up, everything? We're beginning our summer of content today with the inaugural 2019 Misery Index. Who's hot? Who's not? Whose fortunes have gone to pot? We'll answer all those questions ahead. We'll also talk about Joel Edmondson's contract news, what it means for Ivan Barbashev, and whether our favorite Moncton Wildcat or Moose Jaw Warrior have played their last games in a Blues sweater. It's a busy episode ahead, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys One Cup Podcast. Still weird to say. Still strange, still hard to do. My name is Stephen Ground. I'm here with Ian Peters. And we are coming to you from our 3% more expensive studios in Brandon, Manitoba, hometown of Joel Edmondson, the Brandon Wheat Kings, and of course, as we all know, the annual Royal Manitoba Winter Fair. How are you enjoying Manitoba's second largest city tonight, Ian? Oh no, because Manitoba's first largest city is Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh, I got it. I pulled that one back from the brink. <laughs> not Regina. Um, I'm doing That's great. That's not Manitoba. It's not, oh. yeah. It's not. Um, the Winter Fair, is that an indoor thing? I don't think so. Oh, Jesus. I Canada, think... you crazy. Yeah, uh, from the one picture I saw of it. In the town square in the city we're at, not at Wikipedia, mm-hmm. it certainly looked like an outdoor festival of some, some variety. Canada's tough. I don't know, man. They breed them different up there. Sure doesn't make sense. They're cows. Tim Horton's a sponsor. You know, the whole nine yards, but I just don't know. It is winter. It's near the end of March, so, mm-hmm. you know, that's cheating a little bit, but uh, it has been active for 111 years, which are facts we know thanks to our tour of the city, mm-hmm. and not, again, once again, I cannot stress enough, not because of Wikipedia. <laughs> Speaking of... I got nothing. <laughs> Brandon, I guess, how about Joel Edmondson's new contract? He was awarded a $3.1 million one-year contract from the arbitrators on Tuesday. Yep. And he will be back, presumably, in a blues note, in a blue note, in a blues sweater. I can't speak. Uh, for another year. And mm-hmm. then will he be an RFA or an, a UFA? Oh, he's a UFA. Yeah, he's a UFA. Ooh. He's not talking. He's, <laughs> he's walking. walking. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about the contract? 3.1, is that more or less than he made last year? 3% more. Li- okay, for some reason I thought we had backtracked. No, it's that- $100,000 more than he made last year. Wow, okay. Well, you know what? I don't make $100,000, so good for him. <laughs> um, I don't know. This seemed like exactly what was going to happen. We The Blues valued him at like $2.4 uh-huh. for the Arbiter, and of course Joel Edmondson values himself at 
4.25 million, yeah. so it was going to be down the middle. I think there was some rule that it was over 3.5, maybe? Or was it even over 4 that um, we could just walk from them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think. I didn't think that was ever going to happen. I didn't mm-hmm. think they were going to put it above that. So I'm fine with it. It doesn't break the bank, and I think he is most certainly worth this amount. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no more. So now we have um, seven defensemen in-house, mm-hmm. four on the left side with Dunn, Gunnarsson, Dunnerson, and Bo mm-hmm. Meister and Edmondson. I'll ship that. Uh, <laughs> I'll ship that. Uh, <laughs> 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 we are paying them, quick math here, a combined... Roughly ten million dollars. Hmm. Um, we have basically total flexibility after this season. I mean, Dunn's an RFA. Bomeister's contract is up, and he's a US UFA. Edmondson's contract is up, and he's a UFA. And then we've got one more year of Gunnarsson at one point seven five. We also have about one point nine million dollars in cap space. And Ivan Barbashev remains unsigned. So, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. No one's quite sure what the reason is. But presumably if both parties agreed that he should make $1.25 million, he'd have already signed for that amount. Mm-hmm. You know, so... What are you feeling about the Ivan Barbashev situation right now? I know there's... Always with a Russian player, the specter of Europe, mm-hmm. you know, looming over any sort of contract negotiation. And we saw that with Vladimir Savoka mm-hmm. when, in a similar situation, they couldn't give him the number he thought he was worth, so he took flight and never was the same again. <laughs> um, I hope we can sign Barbashev soon. I don't think, obviously, he's the linchpin of this team, but I do think he played a pretty important role in the fourth line. And I would like to see him back, and honestly, for for really any amount that's that we have left on the cap, I guess I don't think he's necessarily worth like $1.9 million. But if they gave him one and a half, which is probably what he's asking, I would guess, or mm. in and around that, I'd be fine with that. I think he's a fourth-line contributor that contributes enough that he's worth $1.5 million. Yeah, and he's a fan favorite, I think, mm-hmm. for, you know, the disproportionate to the contributions he gives probably a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not... Sh- I'm worried. I'm worried that it's not going to happen because it hasn't already happened. Yeah. Um, you can't... Obviously, you can't file arbitration. That, mm-hmm. All that's passed anyways, and he wasn't allowed to. So, I guess running back to Russia is really his only leverage at yeah. this point. On the flip side, as I mentioned, as we mentioned in the intro... He is a product of the O oh, of the CHL, the mm-hmm. the North American Junior League. I think his uh, team was. I think his team is QMJHL. Yeah, I mean, I know it's in CHL. That's so weird. Yes. Uh, yeah. So QMJHL. So he came over at sixteen, I think, to play mm-hmm. here. So he doesn't necessarily have that same draw to Russia that. Others might, you know, that you'd worry about with a Tarasenko in a similar situation. Not that I think that'll ever happen with him again. But 
um, it still bothers me. And I think, I think I've seen sort of three scenarios, maybe four scenarios, depending on how you look at it, kind of tossed out there. And I'm curious what you feel about the f- hmm. three or four that I'm about oh, to ask there's, there's five, would, six, Would you prefer scenarios. the Blues keep Joel Edmondson for this season at $3.1 million? Okay. And sign Ivan Barbashev and have no caps flexibility. Okay. Um, you know, in terms of trading during the season or whatever. Obviously, there are always ways around that during the season. You could trade Edmondson later, whatever. Or would you rather them get rid of Edmondson and pay, maybe even overpay a little bit for Barbashev? Or would you rather them get rid of Edmondson and overpay or pay in general? Pat Maroon, which is the other mm-hmm. thing I've seen a lot of people angling for. Uh, by the same token that there's a reason Ivan Barbashev remains unsigned, there's got to be a reason Pat Maroon does, too. Um, and, you know, same with Jake Gardner, the kind of two UFAs of any note whatsoever that are still out there. You have to kind of assume that maybe Pat's just waiting. Just trying to wait it out long mm-hmm. as long as he can so that he doesn't there, cause, have to sign elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Because I read somewhere where someone was like, he's getting no offers. I'm like, no, 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 no. He's There's getting no off way. he's getting offers. They're probably not great, but uh-huh. he's most certainly getting offers. Yeah, I mean I was I I thought somebody would go out and pay him a, a crazy amount mm. of money, and I was wrong. I tried I try to own it when I'm just dead wrong, and I said that a lot, so I was wrong. But there's people are offering the yeah, contracts. There's just no question. Waiting for the he's door to finally close. He had a blues. cup. You know, he had like an iconic playoff moment. Mm. That alone is enough to get you an offer. Mm. And there are gonna be some GMs or at least some coaches that think he's the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, man, I don't know. So I feel like. I would rather we keep Edmondson right now, sign Barbashev to whatever we can fit under the cap, and then eventually, if we need to, we can trade Edmondson. I don't like the idea of getting rid of Edmondson and signing Maroon only because I feel like there are forwards I want to see on this team. Young forwards. Cost and Kyrie. That yeah, kind of a, yeah, a spot to be... Sam, even Samford. Yeah, and we've talked about this like, before. Not necessarily a spot to be made specifically for them, and they're granted you know, easy access to play on this team immediately, but a spot that if they want to, if they can earn it, there's a spot there. Like, it's mm-hmm. right there. Versus on the defensive side, there are players. There's a Mikola. Uh, Renke plays right, but you know you can slot him in wherever. Workman now. Oh, yeah, Borgman. Like, you have guys for that. Despite all of my talk, or you and I both talking about Edmondson not being fantastic in the playoffs and us being a little wishy-washy on him, he's still a contributor. Mm-hmm. And it's still, like, he's not a ginormous liability or something. He's not a you know, Kevin Shankirk. Um who, by the way, signed a $1.75 yeah. million contract with the Tampa Bay Lightning because cap space is made up and the... Regulation, regular season points don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, oh, oh, that's true. You got swept. Yeah, um, you sure did. Yeah, so I guess I'd rather we keep Edmondson, sign Barbashev for what little we have, and then with the thought being that we probably trade Edmondson 
some point during the season. Because yeah. you got to imagine he's walking. Because, again, I think, much like Maroon, sort of, other teams are going to be like, oh, no, 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 Joel Edmondson can be, and for a lot of them, they could be, like, our second pairing guy easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, do you think, long-term, or even this season, do you think Barbashev or Edmondson is more integral to the team, not saying that either of them are necessarily truly integral, but, yeah. like, which one would be harder to replace? That's what I mean, like, you have, like, Mackenzie McEachern, and you've got some of these guys, but I think Barbashev, I mean, did he play center? I can't remember if he played center the whole time he was on the fourth line or not. At some point, Most of it, yeah. they put Sunquist down there, and he would do it mm-hmm. here and there, but he he had great chemistry with those two, with him and Steen, so I maybe it's my heart over my head, but I just prefer Barbashev mm-hmm. on this team over Edmondson. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um... I mean, I've been a proponent all summer, though, for trade Edmondson, trade Allen, Mm -hmm. even trade Shin. You know, I I just, I worry that the team gets so caught up and we won the cup. Everything was great. Stay the same that they forget that there's like a whole future they have to build and like they need to steadily set the course for what Mm. that future looks like because they have an opportunity to not look like the Kings, as we will talk about in our next topic, and not look like the Blackhawks, and not, um, not you know, resemble those teams that reached the pinnacle and then slumped off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they have the ability to avoid that, even if they're not necessarily equally able to climb right back to the top. They can be good for a really long time, and I just don't want to see them make short-term you know, nostalgic decisions, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. But I don't think uh, I don't think any of those are, you know, life or death issues. I just, it'll be interesting. There's still, as I've said multiple times, there's two months left, give or take, take now at this point until puck drop. And, uh, which is crazy when you think We're about like, it. I think, what, October 4th or something? October so 2nd is oh, really? the first oh, day, yeah. Fuck. Uh, so, yeah, we're seven weeks out basically um but i still think there's a lot to be done around mm-hmm. the nhl this offseason as we go through our main topic today the misery index we will talk about a lot of the remaining rfas that need to be signed and some teams that do not have the cap space to sign them uh so i think i think you're gonna see a lot more late summer activity than you normally would in mm-hmm. an NHL offseason and so I don't th- I don't necessarily think that if we do or don't sign mm-hmm. anyone by August 15th let's say that they just will or won't be on the blues by the end of the yeah. summer you know well, but, like you said there's all those RFAs and then those RFAs are dominoes that turn into you know your Pat Maroons your Jake Gardner mm-hmm. signing so one thing moves, and all of a sudden you got like four or five guys signing elsewhere, signing with the team they used to be on. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see, I could definitely see this being a very interesting like training camp time. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be fun. Um, so that's really all the Blues news we've got. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of league news is the Shattenkirk signing, I guess, is uh, kind of the big sort of tangentially Blues news. What did you think of that? I'm good for him. I'm glad he's got a job in the league because mm-hmm. I don't think his defense is terrible. But he still has he's still a very good power play specialist. He's a very yeah. good offensive defenseman, 
It just so happens that sometimes an offensive defenseman, you're talking about that being their strength and their other parts of their game might just be okay. Mm-hmm. The other parts of his game are just terrible. So, But he's on a team that really only needs him in that capacity and can sort of um, guard him and hide him down the lineup in Tampa Bay. Like, they don't need Kevin Shattenkirk to be eating up minutes for them. Mm. I think New York thought he could do that for them, and he most certainly couldn't. We kind of saw in his time here when Petrangelo got hurt every so often, which wasn't very often, actually. Um, Shattenkirk would thrive for a game or two as a top-pairing defenseman, and then he'd come crashing back down to earth, so... Mm. Interesting that the Rangers bought him out. I'm surprised they did, just because I just didn't think they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and good for Tampa for being able to pick up a guy that could possibly be, you know... Picking him up doesn't hurt them in any way. Mm-hmm. If they can't use him, yeah. they'll just sit him. And I think that's his best opportunity to show that he's still got gas left that's in the true. tank. And yeah. if he does, maybe he can get himself another decent contract. And I don't want his con- his career to just die. Yeah, know, I, I mean, he had some good seasons here. I, I enjoyed him when he was here. It's just that mm-hmm. we kind of outgrew him. I mean, we made the right decision. Oh, clearly, yeah. but... Isn't that crazy? Do you ever think about these players on this team pretty much like Shattenkirk um Bacchus like those are big ones I guess maybe Oshie too but like where I was like yeah maybe where I'm like these players were on this team Mm -hmm. when I thought this team was good and had a chance to win the cup like I thought for sure if we were winning the cup Mm -hmm. Bacchus was hoisting it Shattenkirk would get that Oshie would get it all this stuff Mm -hmm. and yet we have, like, this crazy, just weird team that we won with. I mean, it makes sense, but, like, at the time, it's like, well, no, of course, if we don't have these guys, we're not going to win the Cup. This is as close as we can get. These yeah. guys get us there, and now we have none of them. We're like, oh, we won. I mean, imagine if we if you'd said, uh, if if we I yeah. told you in 2014, it's like, no, actually, the this Blues basically will win the Cup, mm-hmm. but it'll be instead of, like, David Backus and TJ Oshie and... Kevin Shattenkirk, it'll be like, you know, Jay Bomeister and Ryan O'Reilly and Tyler Bozak and Braden Shen. Yeah, I know, but right? also David Perron will be back. So. <laughs> that's, <laughs> like, oh, it's so crazy. Oh, and in like 2014, I'm like, oh, also that that goalie we drafted in the third round already like three years ago, he's going to be a big deal. Yeah. I want to keep an eye on him. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait, just wait. You're not going to believe me, but just wait. Oh, my God. Just keep waiting. That's so nice. Um, couple other very minor things, and then we'll move on to the main event. Things we failed to cover last week. Uh, the Blues signed their second-round draft pick, their first draft pick from this past year, Nikita oh, yeah. Alexandrov, to a three-year entry-level contract. I always forget what this means. I don't think it – does it just mean he plays in the AHL next year? I don't even think it he, means as to start next year. He, was he a Q? He was in the queue, right? Oh, was he? Okay. So he I couldn't remember if he was Europe-bound or not. Let's see how old he is. I'd assume he's an 18-year-old if we drafted him that early, or a 19-year-old. So he is 18 years old. Um, but he's also German slash Russian. So I don't know how all that works do. together. Because I know European players can come to the AHL sooner, but maybe not if they have if they played CHL, in CHL rights. So I'm confused. Obviously, he's not going to be on the Blues next year. Mm. I just wonder if he's in the AHL or the CHL. If I just had I would a randomly guess, it would be QMJHL yeah, still. But he'll still be there. I'm always confused. Um, 
Do we get? Do we finally get uh, Alexei Toropchenko in the AHL this year? Yeah, I think or so. Or was that last year? At the tail end of okay, last year. Cool. No, no, I'm not sure because I think they made a pretty deep playoff run. Yeah. Guelph, I think Guelph. Oh yeah, made yeah. yeah. I'm deep. I'm interested. I'm I'm interested in this cat. Oh yeah, he's good. I'm hitching my wagon to this horse, <laughs> and I don't know where it's going. Uh yeah, he is 20, so he should be in the AHL this year. There, there's a little he did play one news. game at the end of the season before last in uh. the AHL. But last year for the Guelph Storm in the playoffs, he put up 19 points in 24 games. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the other two little notes. Adam Musil will not be playing in San Antonio next year because he signed with a European team whose name I dare not even try to pronounce. Billy Tigre, Tigre Leverich in the Czech Republic. I'm sorry. You've released a demon. <laughs> I'm sorry to our sweet Czech Republic listeners. Um, and then our old friend Wade Megan. Wade Megan retired from the NHL. So, you know, sad. Uh, and that's it. That's all I got. That's, that's, that's the bottom of the barrel, folks. That's the bottom of it. That is the bottom of it. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and move on to the segment that we have right now, which is our inaugural 2019 Misery Index. The world is treating me bad, misery. So what is the Misery Index? It's strange. It's an idea that's been bouncing around my brain for a long time, and your brain for slightly less time, because you're not as crazy as I am. <laughs> Uh, but the basic concept is this. If someone waved a magic wand and or held a gun to your head and said, <laughs> the Blues won the Stanley Cup, now you got to switch teams. You just, you just have to trade with a team. Mm -hmm. But you get your pick. Or let's say there's a draft lottery and you get to assign the odds. Um, who would you, how would you rank the team? from top to bottom, the 30 teams other than us in the NHL, from ownership to arena, including players, personnel, and uh, prospects, who would you most like to trade with and why or why not? Who would you least like to trade with? So we'll consider things like the owner, which I don't think we think about a lot in the NHL unless it's really bad. Mm. We'll just say the owner will usually come up towards the end <laughs> of the misery index, not so much near the beginning of the misery index. Um, the general manager is obviously the guy pulling all the strings, so if he's terrible, that's probably not good news. Players and salary cap, current structure... Uh, pipeline, prospects, draft future, that sort of thing. Do they have additional first-round picks? Are they missing first-round picks? Are they the Blue Jackets and just don't believe in draft picks anymore? <laughs> you know, we'll talk about all that. And then, of course, coaching and other personnel. And then anything goofy that we tend to think of. Uh, the things we won't really focus on is recent history. So, for example, uh, a Stanley Cup in 2016 means nothing to us because we weren't cheering for... The Penguins? Mm -hmm. In right. 2016, we were cheering for the Blues. So this is our team going forward. But if they tank to win a cup like the Kings, and even if they did win the cup, doesn't matter to us because they weren't our team when they won the cup. So going forward, 
is what we're focused on, not really recent history. And we won't focus on mascots, so sincerest apologies to Gritty uh, for, you know, the Flyers not being first on the list, because that's what would have to happen, I suppose. He's furious. And I think... He's covered in fur. (laughs) That's very cute. I like that. Uh, (laughs) And I think the point of this is just to get kind of a general temperature as we enter our division previews Mm -hmm. on where are the other teams in the NHL. I know a, a lot of our listeners have a lot of hockey knowledge and focus on a lot of the league and know things. They drink and they know things. Oh, boy, they drink. They have to be at their listening to us. Um, but do you like that Game of Thrones quote, by the way? I try. I try mm. to do these things for you. To, <laughs> str- to string you along. I do this for you. Um, but, you know, just get a general health of the league for the people who maybe don't know, and of course to have fun and make fun of teams that didn't win the Stanley Cup. Oh, this, this year. is a roast. Yes, it is that as well. Uh, and then the only other thing I'd say is that my bias, maybe your bias as well, is that I tend to favor the long term prospects of a team in terms of like, ooh, this could be really fun in the future. So as you'll see very soon, I'll tend to favor a team over a team that has like the makings of long-term greatness over a team that is already great Mm. just because I'm an idiot and don't like things handed to me. That's the only reason. (laughs) So do you want to tell us who's who's number one on the misery index? Is that where we start? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to start at 15 and count up to one and then go 16 down? (laughs) That's too confusing. Our (laughs) listeners are drunk. (laughs) They will not follow along. They've barely made it this far. Uh, number one on the Misery Index, the team we would most like to be. Yes, so one, just to clarify, yeah. one is the best. Mm-hmm. I would trade with them first. 30 is the worst. Mm-hmm. This is uh, good for us because this would be our new team. Bad for real us because this team is in our division. Mm-hmm. It's the Colorado Avalanche. Mm, not great. No, not great. For the division. Why are the Avalanche so high, Ian? I, I mean... Man, their <laughs> young guys look so fucking good. It's that's insane to yeah, me. Yeah, I mean the we we try to keep it short at this top end of the spectrum, but the reality is they've got a GM who seems to have figured it out. Sackick looked real bad there for a while, mm-hmm. and then the Duchesne trade happened, and now he's a golden god. Mm-hmm. Jared Bednar seems fine. They have the second best cap space in the NHL with $16 million to play with. Their only unsigned free agent RFA is Mika Rantanen, who will take up a big chunk of that, but they'll still have millions and millions left over. Um, They have a lot of flexibility long-term. They've got who I would say is the second best player in the NHL locked up to the best contract in the NFL, NHL bar none. Mm -hmm. And then they've got you know, a pair of defensive stud prospects in Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram. They've got other stud forwards like Landis Cog and Rantanen. And now they're adding depth pieces like Kadri and, you know, other guys like that. They've got a lot of good forward depth. They need to add some more. But I'm there's nothing that team lacks other than a solid number one no doubt goaltender and I think between Philip Grubauer and the top KHL goalie that they have that will be his backup I think one of those guys will materialize to be fine Mm -hmm. I think most people probably think we're crazy putting him over the lightning I get that I 
wonder if I'm crazy every single day. <laughs> so it's nothing new for me. But I love where the Blackhawks are at, and I think they're set up for success. Avalanche. Avalanche are at. I hate where the Blackhawks <laughs> are at. Like... That was a weird Freudian slip. Uh, so, yeah, number two, as we kind of hinted at there, the Tampa Bay Lightning. General Manager Julian Breezebaugh, Breezebaugh head coach John Cooper, cap space seventh best in the league somehow still with $9.3 billion, billion <laughs> million dollars. Braden Point remains unsigned, though. He had 92 points in 79 games last season. After being drafted 79th overall in 2014, he's only 23 years old. He's a superstar, no doubt about it. Adam Ernie also remains unsigned. He is not a superstar. I don't think we need to say anything about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm. They were the best team in the regular season, bar none, last year. They'll be they got, fantastic again. Yeah, they got dirt-roaded by the Blue Jackets that you could do that series literally 10,000 more times. They'd win them 9,000 <laughs> those times, and they would never get swept again. So... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the Tampa Bay Lightning, which the same can be said in a lot of ways about number three, as much as it pains us to admit it, oh. the Toronto Maple Leafs. General Manager Kyle Dubas, the young stallion of the NHL general managing corps. He's, He's got older. glasses, but are they frames or are there lenses in there? You decide. Also, head coach <laughs> Mike Babcock is widely respected by some. And <laughs> it's, like, it's like, is he still... <laughs> They have the worst cap situation in the league, $84 million, which is over the cap limit, but they have flexibility in the future long-term injured reserve members, Nathan Horton and David Clarkson. And, of course, their big off-season controversy is hometown boy Mitch Marner, who remains unsigned after his 94-point season and being drafted fourth overall in 2015, he is just 22 years old. So, while I would not like to be at the center of the media speculation that the Toronto Maple Leafs have to face, mm-hmm. they have Austin Matthews, they have John Tavares, they have William Nylander, they have Morgan Riley, who's often overlooked as a stud on that team, they have uh, Frederick Anderson, who's great, and assuming that they do still get Mitch Marner signed, they've got it all. Pretty much. When do you think Mitch Marner will sign? When is the last day that he can sign? Somewhere it's before like December. December first or November yeah. last. Yeah, November. <laughs> oh, it's a great day uh, on November last. <laughs> we should start calling that day the day of the month. Uh, yeah, I, do, I think it's dragging out. I mean, it's not happening before they can put those guys on the LTIR now. So, mm-hmm. got to be in the season at some point. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking so. He'll play. Yeah. Just, you know, the Nylander route. Yeah, good, good. I hope they suffer more. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the New York Rangers at number four. General manager John Daniels. Never heard of that man. Head coach David Quinn. Isn't he like an underling for other people? I mean, I know John Davidson's also there now, but like. Is there owner something yeah, Sather? Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay, so I hear about their. Or he's like the president, maybe. Oh, I hear about that guy way yeah. more often than I hear about yeah, John Daniels. For sure. Uh, seventh worst cap situation in the league, but that comes after the signing of Artemi Panarin this summer. Uh, they have Brendan Lemieux and Anthony D'Angelo remaining unsigned. D'Angelo's pretty good, so he's mm-hmm. obviously not going to be cheap. I don't know what they're going to do with that cap situation. One of the reasons I said 
that um, there's still going to be some movement this summer. But they have Capo Caco now. They have yes. uh, Artemi Panarin long-term. Lundqvist is still there and not terrible, and Georgiev looks like a potential stud. They're just set up for years and years of success. They did a rebuild the right way. Mm. They figured it out in time. They pulled the plug at the right time, and they started to rebuild, and now they're, they should be studs, I think. I will always greatly respect them for literally sending out letters to their season ticket holders that they are now going to start a rebuild. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Boston Bruins, number five. Don Sweeney, Boo. general manager of the year, reigning general manager of the year. Bruce Cassidy. Um, they have the 13th best cap situation with $7.29 million to play with. But Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo, two big pieces of their defensive core, remain unsigned. And McAvoy is going to cost them a pretty penny, I would think. Um, yeah. I'm surprised. I feel like I haven't heard about that at all. Yeah, it's not been talked about much because he doesn't have arbitration rights. Oh, okay. But it's either like sign me for a year or two or give me a big ticket, you know, because there's not like a middle ground there. Um, yeah, I mean, they went to the cup last year. They didn't win the cup. Who won the Who won the Stanley Cup? I, like, I have a hard time remembering uh, these days. But, uh, but they are obviously well positioned for success. Pasternak still embarrassingly young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Char is obviously on his last season or five. <laughs> like, embarrassingly uh, old. Yeah. But, I mean, there's nothing that's going to keep them from being fine for the mm. next several years. They seem to always be able to find depth guys. Yeah, I mean, they get over and Coyle over. and they get all those guys that are younger. DeBrusque is good. Mm. They just It just doesn't run out with them. Uh, the Washington Capitals at number six have are also over the cap, but they have no remaining RFAs, so they just have to probably make some little roster adjustments to deal with that. Brian McClellan, not a GM that you hear a lot about anymore, but obviously led them to a cup finally two years ago. Uh, Todd Reardon is the head coach. He's fine. He looks like a middle school oh, principal. He looks so awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um yeah, I mean, Capitals, I think there's an argument that the Capitals could be a little lower on this list. Mm. But they're, they've got Ovi, they've got Backstrom, they've got uh, Holtby. That's kind of the same argument you can make with like the Penguins yeah. and stuff. As long as you have those guys, you're just yeah. going to be a contender. We've got the Penguins quite a bit lower. Spoiler alert. They suck. Because their cap situation's a lot more nightmarish, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um but the Capitals, you know, they've got Kuznetsov, too, who's young, Vrana, who's young. So they they have kind of some future core there, and uh, they just need to kind of probably tinker a little bit with some of the worst contracts they have. The New Jersey Devils, I would say, probably <laughs> if we'd done a 2018 version of this list, have climbed farther than any team otherwise would have mm-hmm. clumb. <laughs> um, you clumb to the top. Yeah. Ray Shiro, general manager, who I always forget was GM of like the early Crosby era of Penguins. Yeah, he won the 2009 Yeah, Cup with I them. keep yeah. thinking he was just, I keep thinking this is like his first gig. It's very much not. Uh, He's an old man. What's his name? Ryan Whitney always complains about Shiro trading him for Chris Kunitz, <laughs> which of course worked out very well for Shiro. Um, Tom, 
out. <laughs> so, yeah, good job I with your own the- joke. <laughs> I stumbled over my own joke. Head coach Tom Riddle, a.k.a. Lord Voldemort, a.k.a. actual name John Hines. I think you're right. Uh, he's a, a catch But he looks like Voldemort. Oh, yeah, let's, he does. Let's not pretend. And that, there's, which Harry Potter is that? The One of the last two where, like, Harry has weird images Spoiler of Voldemort. Spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. Uh, so six. Sorry. Yeah, I think six. He sees, yeah, where... weird images of Voldemort. Uh-huh. And at one point, Voldemort's, like, in a suit. Is that right? Yeah, like in his head. And that's John Hines. Every time I think of him, I think of that scene. He's in a suit. He's also behind a bench. And is is it cold where I am? Oh, he's got the the clipboard out. (laughs) (laughs) No, Baldy, no. Expecto Puck Tronum. Um, the The Jevils have... Eight, almost nine million dollars of cap space to play with, and only Pavel Zaka, who I thought was good, is not yeah, good, no. remaining unsigned. He is a sixth overall pick in 2015. He's only 22. He's had 25, 25, and 24 points the last three years. So, hey, you know, maybe he pulls like a Nugent Hopkins and explodes finally mm-hmm. after too long, but even, you know, Pavel probably doesn't happen no. but they added jack hughes of course this year to go along with uh pk suban and uh nikita gusev are their big off-season mm-hmm. acquisitions hopefully that will be enough to convince taylor hall to resign if it's not they will plummet down this list again next year but probably not too far because hughes is now sort of the future of that franchise uh, they do not have goaltending. Corey Schneider's contract is very bad, but the uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, which is just a oh, great name, hopefully is enough to kind of stay their execution on that end. Any thoughts on the Devils? Uh, all those new acquisitions are John Hines' new horcruxes. There you go. I like he needs it. them to stay alive. <laughs> That's very true, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that metaphor plays on a lot of levels. <laughs> uh, you want to tell us who the number eight team is while I interrupt you taking a drink of water? I was just about to drink of water. My <laughs> mouth was flaming hot. It's the Calgary Flames. <laughs> well done. Uh, why are the Calgary Flames at number eight? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the Calgary Flames had a real, I mean, they had a really good season last uh-huh. year. They, a lot like the Lightning, just underperformed in the playoffs. Yep. Getting bounced by, who was Colorado. it? Colorado. I want to say Dallas. Yeah, by the Colorado Avalanche, who, who rode a really hot goalie and actually did really well with that top line of theirs. So Calgary, I think is a team that's still one that I would look forward to being a fan of. They've got about $7.75 million worth of cap space, which is a fair amount, but they also have Andrew Mangipane or Andrew Marzipan or whatever the <laughs> hell his name is to sign. And on a much bigger note, they have Matthew Kachai. Yeah, 77 points last year in 80 games, Seven. Point seven five six million to spend. He was the sixth overall pick. He's already an alternate captain. Arguably, like, more the heart and soul of that team than Johnny Goudreau in a weird way, or at least he seems to be maybe we're biased because he's a Kachuk, but mm-hmm. obviously a player they cannot do without. He's turned into a, such a much better player than I thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes I forget that Keith Kachuk was, like, actually a very good player yeah, like, like in his own right player. like fantastic <laughs> so like i always just think of ah keith kachuk that old man that took a puck off the mouth uh, and scored in like one of his few last games with us but yeah i'm 
I'd say he's just as crucial as Goudreau at this point, if not, like you said, yeah. possibly more. But, you know, overall, long-term positioned well. Giordano is old. Mm-hmm. Um, Goudreau, who knows what they're signing. Arena situation is up in smoke. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just roster-wise, they're a team that you wouldn't hate to be to trade places with, mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh, the Dallas Stars sort of fall into that category, too, at number nine. They've got the twin gems of Neil and Montgomery at the helm of the ship. They are sixth worst cap space with under a million dollars left to spend to sign only Julius Honka, who um, sucks. He sucks. <laughs> he was the 14th overall pick in 2014. He had four points in 29 games last year. That's going to be a yike from me. Uh, I thought Julius Honka was good. I think it is my duty to have one player on the Dallas Stars that I think is fine to good to very good that just, what's the word, isn't. They're mm-hmm. just not. Um, and I think Julius Honka has replaced Valeri Nechushkin oh, yeah. in that it's like, role. Oh, yeah, who was the other one? Uh, yeah, that's right. But, I mean, they have Sagan, Ben, uh, Radulov, one of the best lines in hockey. They mm-hmm. have, uh, I think, Miro Haskinen is an absolute stud. They have a lot of decent prospects to supplement him, and they added um, Pavelski this mm-hmm. summer and Corey Perry, who I don't think is probably done totally. Ben Bishop's very good and very affordable. They're going to be a pain in the ass yeah, this year. They were a bounce away. They were the hardest team for us to eliminate, arguably, last. They yeah. were the only team that had us facing elimination other than in a Game 7, right? Mm-hmm. So... Hats yeah. off to them. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, they were definitely, our, I think, our hardest opponent. Yeah, I mean, the the Bruins were a different kind of hard, mm-hmm. but we could have beaten them in six, too, you know? Pro- I was going to say, it's probably due to at what point we played them, but by the time we got to the Bruins, I was like, I, I guess we can. I guess we can win the Cup. <laughs> yeah. But while we're playing the Stars, I'm like, oh, this could very much just be <laughs> round two bounce. I've seen it. Yeah, Come for at sure. Me. That was the most stressful night of the whole thing, <sighs> definitely. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens come in at number 10. Uh, this is a team that you had ranked highly, and at first I looked at it like it was kind of strange, but then I thought about it, and I liked it. So why don't you explain a little bit why you had them high? I just, I like their depth. I guess I like their young pipeline that's coming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have that, do they still have Suzuki? They do. Okay, they have Suzuki. I'm trying to remember who they drafted this year that was really good. I'm now blanking on it. Uh, they have Cole Caulfield, the tiny one. Oh, that's right. But he's supposed to be really good. Yes. And I, I think every team from like 7 to wherever they drafted him, 15 mm-hmm. or so, is an idiot for passing on that kid. And they stole him for sure. And they also have Ryan Poling, the guy who mm-hmm. debuted with a hat trick and was such a stud at the World Juniors for the... Team USA last year. They keep finding American players, which I like because you know it pisses off. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> like, why do they do this? It's just a team that I think for being in a very strong division with the Maple Leafs and the Bruins and the Lightning and even uh, the Panthers to an extent, I think they're going to be a team that actually can contend in that division fairly soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Carey Price that's always... You're always contending if you have Carey Price. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think they have a lot more talent than what people 
thing. Especially from like the West yeah. Western Conference side. You just don't hear about him as much anymore. Yeah, a lot of people thought they really reached on Kotkaniemi last year, mm-hmm. and he came right away and had a really great season. Uh, their highest paid forward right now is Jonathan Drouin at $5.5 million. The only real real anchor contract they have is uh, Shea Weber. Carl Alsner is real bad at $4.6 <laughs> million for three years. But they've got Shea Weber signed through Infinity at seven point eight five, And then, of course, the price contract. Um, but, you know, for the most part, they have a really good team that's cost-controlled and nothing's too bad, and they had Nick Suzuki and Ryan Poling and now Cole Caulfield, so I think they're good. And Kotkaniemi's still very young, so I agree. Well well, well decided. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of people would be surprised then that the Vegas Golden Knights, Nashville Predators, and Winnipeg Jets trail them at 11, 12, and 13. And I think we can sort of group these three together Mm -hmm. uh the jets are the only one of those three that have remaining rfas unsigned patrick wine is of course the big one there although don't overlook uh kyle connor who's very good good. Uh, (laughs) he is from some place that has the word township in its name in michigan so i don't think our valley girl impression is that far off i know michigan oh he's from is he's not a, yeah he's a guy. u.s guy. well now i feel like but our impression's pretty close i think the fact that township is in the name means he's from a very affluent community i'm from yada also, yada township yeah. yeah also the fact that he's a white hockey player probably mm. means he's from a very affluent community um but yeah i mean i think i think the vegas golden knights Nashville Predators and Jets all fall in this category because, to me, they all strike me as teams who, if they were going to win, should have already done it. Which, granted, the Blues were too, so mm-hmm. it's still possible. But, um, you know, the the Knights have a really good team. They're going to be, obviously, competitive this year, but they're in cap hell already. Um They've got some real questionable contracts on, like, Pacioretty and Stastny. Um, they've got, they, we talked about last year, they just handed long-term contract after long-term contract out. And they're, are they the best team in that division? I mean, maybe. But the Flames and Sharks are both still really good. They, I think um, they've got top three, like, in the division. Yeah, for but sure. E- but, but even then, I wouldn't be shocked if yeah. another team came out and bounced them down to four. I mean, they should have beaten the Sharks last year. They got screwed. Mm-hmm. I feel like, a little bit of revisionist history, but I feel like I we would have beaten them in the third round if they had gotten that far. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I feel like they would have been an easier matchup for us than the Sharks. I just don't... I feel like the magic is wearing off a little bit, and now they're just a team. Yeah, and they're beset sure. with the problems of any other team. The Predators are the ones that I really feel like the window is closed. Yeah, and I don't even know if that's and that's I not don't know fair. why you feel like it, but to me, I always feel like it because the Blues, even when they weren't that great last year, played the Predators hard. Yeah. And I know that's just a divisional thing, but I was never. Not once was like, "Holy shit, here comes the train that is the Predators." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah they're a good team." And I used to shake in my boots when we had to play the Predators yeah, I mean, for a couple years. Yeah, I mean, the year now. before that, two or three years before that, just scared. Yeah. Rene is in the sunset of his career. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced Saros is... He'll be fine. He'll but... be fine. 
I'm yeah, not I'm convinced not, he's, you know, he's like a... Not sold. More of a... What's the guy in Minnesota's name? Not Darcy Kemper, the other one. Oh, yeah. Um, he's more like that Devin Duvnik. He's more like a Devin Duvnik where, like, he's fine. Mm-hmm. And maybe he can get hot, but I don't think he's, like, a top goalie in the league. Um, yeah, I, just, I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe they are great. Maybe Matt Duchesne was the difference they need, and now they're just a monster. But I feel like they're just a team, a pretty good team. And that's how I feel about the Jets, too. I mean, it's, that's why we put them all right here and kind of spoke about them together, is they just all strike me as teams that are good. Mm. There's nothing, there's no way to say they're bad, but I also wouldn't be, like, super-duper psyched if I was one of their fans right now. The Jets have question marks for me just because now that Truba's gone and now that Myers is gone, I mean, neither of them were, like, they're huge defensemen, but they play. They both played significant minutes, and I know mm-hmm. they've got guys coming up that can sort of replace they that, but Neil I'm just... Pee- yeah, like, but is he gonna? He's not. He's like a sixth defenseman. You know, though, we're not being totally fair to the Jets because they also have. Chrissy is always around to save the day and make you feel real bad about yourself if you need him. <laughs> and of course, they drafted Billy Hynola because reasons <laughs> so yeah i mean all three of those teams any one of them could win the cup this year they yeah. all totally could but i just kind of feel like they're past their best chance to win it like you said they need to win now yeah um the carolina hurricanes are in a just such a weird organ this is one of those this is one of the few where the owner, I think, knocked them a lot further down mm. than they might otherwise have been. Um, they are owned by Tom Dundon. Talk about Tom Dundon a little bit. He's awful. Um, what do you make his money in? Real estate? No? Yes. Uh, evil real estate. Evil real Well, yeah. It, he cashed in on the subprime mortgage crisis kind of real estate. Yeah, he's like a bad person. Yeah. Um, he also was in the, what was the name of, I'm just going to keep asking questions. What was the name of that summer league football uh, team? AF, AF, AAF, Association of American Football. Uh, that plummeted. He's not very good with business Oh, that he bought sense. that. Oh, he bought once the whole it plummeted, thing. Oh. But only to get the gambling technology. Oh, gee. Tom Dundon is a Bond villain. He is a sports team owning <laughs> Bond Man, villain. He's scary. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't feel comfortable as a fan with him as my owner. Oh, he'd, he'd move him in a heartbeat, for yeah. one thing. Like, I'm well, shocked that that's not already a conversation, mm-hmm. honestly. Maybe he's from the area, but even so, when he you, just scares me in every way. When you own a Waffle House, and the, you can just move <laughs> the Waffle House. And this weird situation with Don Waddell, which yeah. basically is like, well, I'm not going to pay you well, so if the Wild pay you well, go ahead. You can leave. But the problem is there, he treats GMs like they're replaceable, which they are very much not. And I don't think Don Waddell is, like, a mastermind. But mm-hmm. if you have a fine GM, we talked about this with Doug Armstrong last year a lot when people were talking about firing Doug Armstrong. And I think our point at the time was just kind of like, listen... I don't think Doug Armstrong, and even even with what we know now, 
I don't think Doug Armstrong is the best GM in the league, Mm -hmm. but I know he is a fine to good GM. And I know that when you remove a fine to good GM, the chances of you improving are very, very slim. There are so many bad GMs out there and they, and they don't leave. You don't fire them and they just go into the sunset. They're just, Pooling around at the bottom, around. waiting for you to have an opening, and then, ooh, here I am. The here comes only, Peter Shirelli. The only candidates, and we'll talk about this when we get to the wild, the only candidates for general manager openings are the best of the worst recently fired general managers. <laughs> that's all there are. So that's all weird. But as a team, there's a lot to be excited about. Mm-hmm. They've got... Um, Who's the guy who signed the offer sheet? Oh, yeah. Uh, Man, we are Finnish guy. It'll come to us. Aho. Uh-huh. Sebastian Aho. He goes, yeah, I know what he is, <laughs> but, like, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, they have Andrei Svechnikov is very good. I knew his they name. They have defensive metric guys out the butt. You can always buy defense, though. You can mm-hmm. always buy defense. Slavin, Pesci. Yep. yep. All those guys are super, super underrated. They're a great team. Terrifying. I expect them to probably be a playoff team again next year. It's not an easy division. Goalie situation's a little sketch. Yeah. I mean, Mrazek, did they end up re-signing Mrazek? I think so. But, like, who knows? I think they've got a good prospect there, though, even, so... they somebody else. I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. Well, but... To me, I really like them. I think they have a lot of really young, good pieces, and obviously uh-huh. they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They're still kind of a coin flip for me as far as, like, oh, are they going to do it again? I don't know. Nita Ryder and Tara Vinen are both really good. Mm-hmm. James Rhymer. That's right. They've got Rhyme time. Optimus Rhymes. So, yeah, so on My the whole, they're fine, change. but Tom Dundon, real bad. Arizona Coyotes are general managed by John Chaka and live on the knife's edge of the exact middle <laughs> of this list. On the positive side, though, uh, Rick Tockett is their coach. I like Rick Tockett. Yeah. If nobody got, if any of you didn't listen to the Spit and Check What's Paul Bissonette interview with Rick Tockett from a week or two ago, very good. Long, like two-hour interview. The guys were clearly really comfortable. Really interesting interview. I would strongly recommend it. But the team sucks. <laughs> no, I think the team is, I think there's a lot to be excited about with the team. You've got Phil Kessel. they got Phil Kessel. Rick Tockett's the Phil Kessel whisperer. He's supposed to, I don't know how one whis- whispers to Phil Kessel. Hope I assume while he's sitting in his lone recliner in his home theater in mm-hmm. his basement. They whisper to him. Whisper to him about hot dogs. I like Derek Stepan. They paid Nick Schmaltz that much for that long. Oh no! Yeah, it's no. not. It's not great. I don't like that at all. <laughs> but they have Oliver Ekman Larson. They really like Jacob Chikrin for reasons. I think they're fine, but like I don't think they have enough to be like a great team. And they could always move at the drop of a hat. I feel like every year, it's like, you know, Arizona could be all right this year. Yeah. And every year, they sort of are, and that's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just keeps happening over and over again. Hopefully, Antti Ranta will be healthy this year, and they'll have a good chance. But I just, I don't know. Remember when this team was in, like, the Western Conference Finals against the Blackhawks in 2013, maybe? No, <laughs> that's a real thing that happened. I think. I, think I believe you, but I don't. At the same time, I very much don't. Yeah. Uh, 
on the other side of that same razor's edge, the top of the bottom, the toppermost of the bottom most, are the Florida Panthers. And, man, I don't know. They could be really good this year. Or they could have paid Sergey Bobrovsky $10 million and not be markedly better. Mm-hmm. They got Joel Quinville. Joel Quinville, very good coach. There's a lot of reason to be excited about the Florida Panthers if you were a Florida Panthers fan, but that would be a little bit like me saying there's a lot of grass for you to eat in this valley if you're a unicorn <laughs> because who cares? Unicorns don't exist. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Florida is still, they don't have a fan base. Mm-hmm. They could move at any moment, just like the Coyotes. It's going to happen I would, with Florida, I really think it's going to happen. Um, they've got some good players. They've got some overpaid, overpaid players. I love Barkov. I love Huberdeau. Barkov's contract is criminal. Uh, by the way, he's going to be a UFA at 26. Oh, boy. <laughs> that dude is going to get paid. Uh, I, li- I love Vincent Trocek. They've got some great players. I don't know if they have enough to be really good. Maybe they finally have enough to make the playoffs. But mm. are they like a first-round bounce team? That strikes me as like a first-round bounce team. Again, they're in a division where you just have these... You've got juggernauts in Boston and Tampa and uh, Toronto. And you're just... Even if you're okay and you're like, this team did a pretty good job this season. You made the playoffs. Like, how are you getting by those teams? Maybe we'll luck out and get the long-awaited Carolina-Florida yeah. matchup. Man, who that do you NBC think NBC just doesn't is, cover? Yeah, who it's, really gets assigned to that it's game? It's like CMS NBC. It's like a new channel. It's on MSNBC, and we literally took MSNBC <laughs> personnel. Sarah Eisen and the other one. To comment on this. Uh, what's, the, what's the market cap of the Florida Panthers, <laughs> Jim Cramer? Well, actually, that's actually, that's CNBC, oh, okay. so I screwed the joke up, but you know. Rachel Maddow, see, she's on MSNBC. I know stuff. Plug your ears, folks, that stupid horn's going on again. <laughs> <laughs> San Jose Sharks and the Pittsburgh Penguins are roughly equivalent teams that we can talk about at the 17 and 18 spot. And I think they're both down here because their best years are behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Want to talk about either of these teams or both of them? Uh, yeah, San Jose is interesting because they're just so damn old. They're much, This is a team that wins the cup in the next two years or they're just a disaster. Yeah. There's no in-between. And they're not going to, by the way. Way too much money tied up in Vlasic and Burns and Carlson. And Carlson. Like, for way too long on all of them. Way too much money, way too long for really old guys. They're going to bring Joe Thornton back because they have to, because it's a it's law. You can't just let him walk. I know he's still slightly productive, but uh-huh. there, there he is again. Evander um, Kane still has $7 million a year. Mm-hmm. Logan, Logan Couture, Couture yeah. is at $8 million a year, which is fine now, but he's also got it for seven more years. He's 30 already. Is he really? Yeah. Holy Moses. Yeah. That guy is perpetually like 26 in my head. Uh-huh. He's like the opposite of uh, Nick Woody. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and Martin Jones. Let's, nev- let's not forget that Martin Jones is making almost $6 million a year for five more years. Yeah. That team will not win a cup, and then it will be years and years of misery. 
Yeah, because what do they have? I just they don't like, have anything. They, I, I, as I, Elliot Friedman says, though, they always find you know they're always finding people. They're so good at that. Doug Wilson. They're good at so drafting. Good at that. Maybe Ryan Merkley's a stud, but I, eventually you just run out of cap room. Even mm-hmm. if the cap's going up, I just don't think they have it. And the the Penguins. I mean, Jim Rutherford is a disaster lately. That is like a person who you can see just doesn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And they've got so many bad contracts now. Jack Johnson is awful. They had to get rid of Ali Mata because they couldn't get rid of Jack Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Eric Branson's contract is awful. I don't know. Brian Dumoulin's maybe fine. Chris Letang, $7 million plus for three more years. They're just bad. They're just like, they're fine, but they're bad. You know, mm. like they're going to always be fine because they have Sidney Crosby. Forgot about the Brandon Danev contract. Like seven years or something. Six years for $3.5 million. The man has lost his entire damn mind. <laughs> and that's why they're at 18 on the misery index. Yeah, if Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin just kind of like just have a season, a regular season, you're boned. Yeah. Like, you have to have those guys perform their best, which obviously they pretty much do every season, but, like, you don't, there's, you don't have backup. You didn't, you don't have the depth we talk about with other teams, like, ooh, really good depth. Not there. Yeah. Jack Gensel. Jake. Jake Gensel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's fine. He's fine. He's good. Yeah. But, I just not named one person. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Hornquist is still there. Undrafted. Seventh round or something like that. Mm. Vancouver Canucks at 19. I thought about putting them higher, and then I thought, not yet. Make them earn it. Mm-hmm. They do have the less inspiring Hughes brother. Yeah. That was the th- that's the problem. <laughs> You're the less inspiring. I'm so <laughs> they sorry. They had both of the uh, Sedin brothers, so having the less inspiring one, Daniel, I can never remember which one was worse. Um, Henrik was worse. I can't remember. Anyway, they're friggin' twins. They're the same person. Uh, So that didn't matter if you had the less because you had the better one, and they tried that strategy, but then they didn't lose for Hughes because Pedersen was too damn good. And now they're a little boned. But they have Pedersen. They have Besser. They don't have him signed. Uh, They don't have money to sign him, but (laughs) in theory, they have Besser. (laughs) They have Quinn Hughes. Mm -hmm. They have like seven really good goalie prospects. They're, mm-hmm. They could be really good. They could climb this list pretty fast. But I think Jim Benning's kind of a disaster. He's a good drafter. Mm-hmm. He seems to be a good drafting, developing GM. He does not seem to be a good cap-handling GM. I feel like I've heard this might be... He might be close to the finish line here as a GM in Vancouver. Just I would like, think. And that he's like wants to retire you know, or become like a senior a advisor. Or yeah, something. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got the Louis Erickson contract, three more years at six million. Um, but yeah, beyond that, they've got a lot of stupid, crappy contracts like the Beagle ones and the Roussel one, but, um, the Tyler Myers one, woof. But overall, they're not terrible. They're just not. But you're right. For every nice young player they have they have just this weird other contract to balance it out with like what is this yeah so i think they'll be good probably like you said before lon they drafted the russian kid uh this Mm -hmm. year who's supposed to be really talented but isn't going to come over right away it bodes well for them is that his name yeah 
it bodes well for them that they're in a really weak division because mm-hmm. they could easily crack that top three. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like you said, I think going through here, the teams that have the most potential to climb, they're definitely one of them. Maybe right at the end, we can just skim through it and say teams that have a big potential to rise or fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we enter after just over an hour, so we're doing pretty well mm-hmm. on time. The real main event of this Misery Index, the bottom 10. This is where the roast really begins. Bottom 11. Bottom 11. I accidentally I accidentally wrote too much on the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, yeah, you're correct. That is how math works, isn't it? Because um, we've only covered 19, so that would be, yeah. I'm good at math. <laughs> I know stuff. Um, so let's start with the Buffalo Sabres, because, hey, at least we didn't forget them this time. Yeah, you're welcome, we Buffalo. Over, we overemphasized them, although, truth be told, when I did initially do the rankings, I, I did end up with 29, and it was the Buffalo oh, Sabres. Really? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's man. A, it's a self-contained meme. Sorry, it, Anthony. It always <laughs> happens. This is what I do. There's three teams in Canada mm-hmm. in that division. There's two in Florida, and there's Boston. <laughs> I literally that will happen nine times out of ten Boston when I think of the New Atlantic. York, right? No, 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 and in oh, the yeah. Atlantic, that's it. I mean, it would be New Buffalo, New York, right? But I'm wait, like, three teams in Canada, two in Florida, yeah, and Boston. That's right? only six, though. Right? Oh God, now I'm trying to do. Who else did we? Oh, Detroit. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, Detroit. you're right. It's six teams in that division. Detroit, your last last years. Uh, your Buffalo last, Sabers. This year's last years. Last years. Buffalo Sabers. Oh boy, Buffalo Sabers, number twenty. General Manager Jason Botterill, head coach Ralph Kruger, returning to the NHL after a, a stint in Europe, and then after coaching Edmonton, and I want to say 2012, 2013. Uh, his time there, not great. But you know what? Can you really blame him? It hasn't been anyone's great time in Edmonton. So, sorry, Ralph. Cap space, third worst. I'm, ex- I'm a little excited to see what Ralph Kruger does. Yeah, is. I'm interested. I mean, hopefully they'll be better than Southampton or whoever it was last year. <laughs> he feels new because he hasn't been around recently. Yeah. And he only had the one, he literally only coached the NHL that one year. So, maybe he's got Therefore, more to give. Therefore, he must be exciting. Yeah, exactly. Their cap space, they're 1.06 million over currently. Uh, we decided to look at best contracts and worst contracts on these teams. Uh, we'll start with best just to give people, you know, fuzzy feelings inside about uh, how their team might be doing. Best contracts for the Buffalo Sabres are Jack Eichel, $10 million, $10 million per year for seven years. He had 28 goals last year, 54 assists, 82 points in 77 games. He's a he's an ex- excellent player. He's a great mm-hmm. player. It's too bad that he's on the Buffalo Sabers that they can't really haven't yet uh, been able to utilize some of his best years. Hopefully they can moving forward. But every time I see that guy, I'm like, man, what would it be like if you were on a different team, eh? What would, what would it be like? Because <laughs> um, he he's great, but it's you know I don't know if he's he he can't lift this team up on his own. Yeah. Other good contract for uh, the Buffalo Sabres, Marcus Johansson, who they just signed this summer, $4.5 million per year for two years. He had 13 goals and 17 assists for 30 points last year in uh, 58 games played. A little bit of an injury-riddled season. If he can stay healthy and return to being a 40-point player, this deal looks even better. I think it was a really good depth signing for them, and it should speak volumes that he was one of their better contracts that they just signed because they have not so many 
great contracts. They have yeah. some little, as you'll see as we go through these teams, we're focusing on a lot of these contracts that are kind of a little longer term, at least not one year left or, you know, one year or a uh, young guy because they're just, some of those contracts are just numbers that have to be thrown at these young guys, and some of these other ones are old guys that are on one more year of their seven-year contract. So you're not going to be seeing guys like Nicholas Cronwall and stuff on there because they're pretty much gone and off the team. But worst contracts with Buffalo Sabres, Rasmus Ristolainen, $5.4 million per year for three years. He is very unpopular out there. Yeah, they do not like and him. And I think it's because he's like a non-stat darling. He's like a metric nightmare kind of guy yeah if i had done more research i think his advanced stats are really awful real poop yeah i mean just as just as basic stats are pretty bad we don't really like to use plus minus a lot obviously but he's a minus 41 last year his coursey four was 47.8 percent um and he plays a huge amount of minutes for them so it's one of those things where you want to see something better from a guy that's going to be out there for the majority of the time yeah. I'm trying to remember what side he plays. Does he play right or left? Right. right? So you have a righty, which is something you normally value quite heavily, but he's one of your worst players. Not great. Yeah. Carter Hutton was my other worst contract. Sorry, Carter. Uh, $2.75 million per year for the next two years. He was 18-25-5 last year with his record. He had a .908 save percentage of 3 goals against average and they and that was in 48 games started uh the money is okay but the deal for three years now just two years remaining was just too much and all mark behind them is fine and okay they have oh god what's his name is their other goalie that will eventually be there it's a silly name i remember it but or i remember it being silly i just can't remember the actual name so they which guy sorry for buffalo sabers their goalie oh uh uka pekalukanen there you go yeah but he's like 20 he's still really young uh-huh. so i don't know how quickly they'll see him i don't know if the buffalo sabers intend to keep carter hutton carter hutton past the expiration date of his contract i would hope not but oh i thought you were saying past his expiration date which was apparently his last year yeah that's what i mean so uh, i just didn't i thought it was silly that any i've i like carter hutton i was about to say it's silly that any team signed him that's not true i you know go out there and play your hockey but it just seemed like a silly contract for Buffalo to sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some b- notes about Buffalo. Buffalo. Although, to be fair, that's a little bit of a revisionist history because we were kind of fine with it last season. But... I was fine with having him, but then I didn't want to. I don't know if I really want us to sign him. Oh, I, we point. didn't want to yeah. sign him for sure. But I think we're looking a little bit backwards and saying, uh, you know, like he looks really bad now. I think at the time we were like, "Oh, this makes sense for Buffalo." I guess so. I don't. But, I still don't like the. I still don't like the term. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm not trying to call you on anything. You're oh, just you are. dead wrong. Uh, notes on Buffalo. Buffalo signed uh, Skinner to an eight-year, nine million per year contract this summer. Skinner's career high, forty goals, wowed many hockey fans this year. But his career high in points is 63. He's reached that ceiling three times, and he is a 60-point scorer. Is a 60-point scorer actually worth nine million dollars for that long? No, because I don't see him replicating a 40-goal season again. He shall not. They need. They had to sign him. They had to sign him. So it's a. They would have been even further down this. I don't think he's a bad player. But is he a nine million dollar play? I don't think so. I don't know. 
We already talked about Rasmus Ristolainen. I mean, I think they're trying to move him. It seems like there was some interest from a few different teams in taking him, but mm-hmm. they haven't moved him, which would worry me as a Buffalo fan. I would not be happy that he's still on this team. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't... I keep thinking Buffalo is going to pull out of it. Mm-hmm. And they keep not. <laughs> Buffalo, you know? yeah. Buffalo's future. Buffalo has 10 UFAs and 4 RFAs next summer, which will help with their cap situation, but GM Jason Botterill will need to use that money wisely. Next summer could determine if the Sabres sharpen for the future or dull and break. <laughs> well done, well done. Uh, Buffalo has all their first and second round picks for the next three years, but they're missing uh, their thirds in 2020 and 2021. And then Ralph Kruger, I think, is the big sort of question mark, almost the largest get for this team in the offseason, really. Uh, new coach in town. He was one of the many coaches that had a small stint in Edmonton, like we talked about, but escaped go to when the Oilers failed to perform. Kruger has some success in Europe and even coached Team Europe to the finals appearance in 2016's World Cup of Hockey. Uh, well, Kruger's supposed outside the box, because I've heard supposedly that he has weird ideas, um, thinking doom or help the Sabres. It's, it'll be interesting to see. I think it was a good pickup for them when they couldn't get Ronberg. Yeah, and I don't say this to beat up on the Sabres, but, like, there's a team that could use a little outside-the-box thinking. It's not like they're going to get worse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I love the Sabres. I love Anthony, but, like, over the course of the last decade, maybe outside-the-box is called for a mm. little bit, you know? Speaking of outside-the-box, there's a team that's outside-the-box of its stadium in Brooklyn, and that's the New York Islanders, who are finally... Maybe building a new stadium, but I don't think it's official yet, so it'll probably be ripped out from under them. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, they will be coached by Barry Trotch and head coached by Lou Lamorello until he passes away in November, and they will have $8.65 million in cap space. Uh, they have Anthony Beauvillier to resign, as well as Michael Dal. Cole. Yep, not Michael Delzato, but Michael Dalcol. You you took these notes. Do you want me to read them, or would you like to talk through them? Silence. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I love saying silence. Uh, best contracts, you have Josh Bailey and Jordan Eberle. Really, these are kind of the same contracts. Uh-huh. Josh Bailey for $5 million a year for five years. Jordan Eberle for the same term, but for $5.5 million. Uh, Bailey had 56 points last season. Jordan Eberle, a, a little bit lower production, 37 points, both in almost the complete season for both of them. In Josh Bailey's case, in the two seasons previous uh, to 18-19, Bailey posted 56 points and 71 points. If he can stay a 60-point player, a $5 million per year contract is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Eberle, same sort of thing. More of a bounce-back guy, but he has had 60-point uh, seasons before in his career. Yeah, he's got the track record. So he could, he could definitely hit that. You could hit that. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, uh, worst <laughs> oh, contracts. I know what you're yeah, worst contracts are so 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 so. We're gonna work. I'm gonna work my way up to this. So Leo Komarov, three million a year for three years, uh, twenty six points last year in eighty two games played. So you're paying a twenty point player, essentially a career twenty point player, three million dollars. We wouldn't call that ideal. No, not great. Cal Clutterbuck. About three million dollars. No. Not the end of the world. No. Cal Clutterbuck, $3.5 million a year for three years. He had 23 points, so less points than Leo Komarov did last year. 
Uh, Clutterbuck. But is, have you considered that his name is Cal Clutterbuck? I know. I mean, you pay the the half a million more is for the name, <laughs> and it's for the hitting. Oh boy, does oh, he boy, like to hit. hit! And he used to have a dirty mustache, but he's, he's taking out his frustrations for being a very a- average to mediocre hockey player. Yep. Uh, him and Komarov fit the same mold, just like grinder guys that you're paying way too much money to. And the, the coup de gras, the just the creme de la creme of the worst contracts. Andrew Ladd, $5.5 million a year for four years. Steven, he had only 26 games played last year because he was hurt. 11 points. Even in the two previous seasons where he played 78 games and 73 games, he only managed 31 points and 29 points. That contract is awful. million for four more years. This dude, I believe, is already 32 or 33. I don't understand. They signed him him knowing that he was not going to produce because he hadn't really produced that well uh, with the Jets previously. So I I have no idea why uh, they signed him to that contract. Some notes on the Islanders. The Islanders lost goalie... Robin Leonard to Chicago in free agency, as you all probably know, and they signed Simeon Varlamov to replace him. Uh, Leonard had a .930 save percentage last year, so they're plummeting down to Varlamov's .908 save percentage. That's a pretty pretty significant drop in save percentage, uh, especially for a team like the Islanders, who pretty much relied heavily on great goaltending. Yes. They're going to be a disaster because of that specifically, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Islanders last year, great defense, not great offense. Their power play was 14.5% during the regular season, good for 29th in the league. Will they bounce back or remain unproductive? I'm going to guess the latter. <laughs> uh, some things on their cap future. The Islander, Islanders are locked into some long contracts with their star forwards, Lee, Nelson, Eberle, and Bailey, and their aging decor as well, Boychuk, Letty, and Hickey. Next year, they will only be freeing up just under $7 million in cap space, but they do currently have $8 million, so about $15 million to play with. They will need it all to re-sign actual star forward Matthew Barzell, who next summer will not come cheap. Nope. Uh, future Islanders still have all their draft picks for the next three years. I want to say they drafted somebody this year that was fun, but I can't remember <laughs> who. Take a look. Is that, type that into Google. Islanders Simon fun draft Holmstrom. Pick. Okay, just kidding. Not him. Samuel Baldick. Nothing. Sure. No, nothing. They got nothing. Okay. Uh, personnel with Barry Trotz behind the bench. You know they'll be seeing a well-disciplined Islanders team this year. Uh, can Trotz improve the offense on this team? Because he greatly improved the defense. He kind of neutered their offense. I, the Islanders, I think overperformed last year. Maybe not oh, by a, yeah. maybe not by like leaps and bounds, but like Steven says leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds. <laughs> I think they will contend and ultimately miss. Yeah, I was like contend for a playoff spot. Like everyone will contend. Uh-huh. Let's dive into the Philadelphia Flyers at number 22. A team that I want to be better but insists on being so mediocre. <laughs> T.I. once had that song called Mediocre, in which he said, we don't want no mediocre. And Philadelphia heard that and said, we will take what he's not having, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have Travis Konechny and, more importantly, Ivan Provorov remaining unsigned with their $13 million in cap space. They have a 
a great contract in Sean Couturier at $4.33 million for three years. He had 80 points last year, seven, what? That was just, that's insane. Oh, yeah. 80 points last year, 7.8 point shares. He was a Selkie finalist the season before that. Couturier clearly leveled up in the 2017-18 season and has posted back-to-back 76-point seasons. He is one of the best two-way centers. If I just said he had 80 points last year, I'm at 80 games played. He had 76 points. Uh, He had 76 points the last two years. He's one of the best two-way centers in the game. And $4.33 million, as you implied, is highway robbery. That's crazy. Uh, Shane Gostisbehere is making $4.5 million for four years. He just had... um, I'm bad at math. I'm bad at math. 37. 37 points. I was getting there. Nine goals and 28 assists last year. 78 points. 78 games. God, my brain. Not so good. God damn. Past four seasons, he's been very up and down. 37 points, then 65, then 39, then 46 until uh, last year's 37. Uh, Gostas Bear is constantly in the trade rumor mill, and it's easy to see that he's inconsistent. But even in a down year, he had 4.2 point shares. He's a solid top four defenseman at worst, a top point producing defenseman at best, and I will take that range for $4.5 million a year. And then it's a little cheating. We don't usually do entry-level contracts, but it's also very rare that you'd have a goalie as good as Carter Hart and still have two years of his entry-level league minimum deal. I think that's uh, worth So for the goalie specifically. That's worth the cheating because uh, it's just... The yeah, value's nuts. Just the value's there for goalies specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Hayes. Boop, boop, boop. Woof. Uh, just inexplicable. Just ab- inexplicable in every way, this contract to me. Seven million, seven point one four two million. Seven million, not enough for Kevin yeah. Hayes over seven seasons. I want that one four two um, every year, baby. Does that get him up to 50 even? Was that the thing? 50 Probably. over seven? Uh, yeah. Just the most questionable contract handed over this season. He had 19 goals and 36 assists last year in 71 games, which was his best total. Uh, He has 125 goal season in his career. He had 5.3 point shares, which for anybody that doesn't know is like a calculation of your contribution to the standings in points. Um, It's similar to baseball's war, although Mm -hmm. there's also a hockey war, but don't think about that <laughs> um and like the highest you'll get is like i mean kucherov was like 11, 13 like yeah, or 13 something maybe yeah. yeah um kevin hayes to me is a fine he's an adequate number two center he is a great number three center he's a young 27 and maybe with the cap increasing this deal just be ends up being Fine, his, but it, literally his age is the only thing that sells yeah, me on this contract. Yeah. Oh, that's not that old. But it seems like you're paying absolute top dollar for a guy who isn't going to be a central piece of a cup winner. He's somewhere between Braden Shin and Tyler Bozak, and imagine paying $7 million plus per year for somewhere between <laughs> Braden Shin and Tyler Bozak. Uh, Matt Niskanen, they traded for $5.75 million left on two years of his deal, plus whatever they retained on Radko Gudis. Just why? 
Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob Voracek, I I really like and want Jacob Voracek to be better, but the reality is they're paying this guy $8.25 million for five more seasons, and he's had 66, 85, 61, 55 points in his last four seasons. If he's the 85-point Jacob Voracek, then that's a fine deal. But more often than not lately, he's shown that he's not an 85-point player, and if 66 is his ceiling otherwise, it's not nearly good enough. I think Tarasenko has hit higher point totals in the last three or four years at less money oh, yeah, for than sure. Voracek. So for there, sure. there's your barometer. Yeah. And then James Van Riemdijk, Riemsdijk, JVR. I'm not totally giving up on his $7 million for four years. Uh, he did have a really rough start last year, but ended up with 48 points, including 13 power point points, which is his bread and butter. I don't think this is going to be a great deal by any means, but it could be... Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only 30, which is another guy that seems like he should be a thousand. <laughs> um, well, I guess he started playing with the Flyers in his first stint when he was, like, 20. Yeah. Uh, in their first offseason under Chuck Fletcher, the Flyers moved in a quintessentially Fletcherian direction with additions like Justin Braun, Matt Niskanen, and Kevin Hayes. They added 10.5 point shares last season, which, again, is not a... It's a good, very good player, but it's not like an elite player in the Mm -hmm. league. And a combined age of 91 years old (laughs) for a combined price of $17.3 million. Almost 17.4. They also brought in Nate Prosser and Chris Stewart, former Minnesota folks. Brought in Tyler Pitlick, which... I appreciate because now I will only hear it twice a year and not five times a year. Uh, they lost Yori Laterra and Andrew McDonald. Andrew McDonald was hated, and Yori Laterra probably supplied cocaine for the dressing room. So <laughs> perhaps that's an addition by subtraction situation. The decision to trade Gudis for a worse and more expensive defenseman and keep money in the exchange is baffling in every way. Chuck Fletcher loves Matt Niskanen, or Matt Niskanen has dirt on Chuck Fletcher. Is <laughs> that one of those two things? Uh, they have over $30 million for the next three years in Giroux, Voracek, Hayes, and JVR. That's a lot of money for a lot of disappointment. That's what and I was thinking when I looked at them, right? Yeah. Because those are good players. Yeah. But, like... But not good enough. And they're all... And, like, the tail end of prime. Yeah. Like, Drew's... Or tail end of prime. Yeah, like, Drew's good enough Drew's to, like, keep it going. two or three now. Yeah, but, like... Uh, He's like a Kopitar, but older and not... As good as Andre Kopitar. Yeah, and the best of those players, Giroux, is the one that expires this soonest. Mm -hmm. Um, On the bright side, other than Provorov, they don't have any major contracts that are coming up anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Hart in two years, but he won't have a ton of leverage yet. The pipeline, moving through this quickly. They have an extra fourth and seventh and no third next year. They have all their picks the following two years. They had the 12th-ranked farm system, according to Corey Promen, last season, and that's highlighted by Joel Farabee and Morgan Frost, both chosen with the picks they got for Braden Shen. And I think both of those guys will be very good NHL players, mm-hmm. not elite. Uh, Carter Hart has graduated into a legit stud. He's the best young goalie in the league, bar none. Um, 
Will Philip Myers, their top defensive prospect, graduate this year? Possibly. Uh, Cam York was the guy they selected at 14th overall this year. He's going to be fine to good. I think they have a, a strong pipeline. There's no real stars, but there's a lot of good players. I think the thing that really sells me on being kind of yuck on the Flyers is just that that front office coaching staff is as bleh. God, you're so right. It's I forgot as about bleh these as it guys. could possibly be. They brought in Elaine Vigneault, who's just snooze. He's not bad. He's, he's not good. He he's is, fine. He is like a human snooze button. <laughs> And to <laughs> add some spice to the bench, oh, they brought in Michelle Therrien and Mike Yo. Mike Yo. These are the ambient <laughs> coaches. And then Chuck Fletcher is as Chuck Fletcher does. He's going to build you a team. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> to t- quote Pierre Dorian. That team could. That team could always be good. That, that team will always could be good. In any given year, that team might make the second round of the yeah. playoffs. They really might. They absolutely <laughs> might. This could be season that year. Season in and season out. <laughs> but it's just not enough for me. And I'd like it to be, because I like the Flyers, as long-time listeners mm. probably know, but not there. You want me to talk about the Blackhawks, or you want to talk about it? You can talk about the Blackhawks. We should have staggered the teams we took I, notes I, on. I thought about we that. We meant to, and then we just... Guessed. I'll interject more. I'll give you more okay. whoops. <laughs> uh, Stan Bowman and Jeremy Colleton are the, the head of this sinking ship. They have $3.34 million left in cap space with Brandon Perlini alone remaining unsigned. He was the 12th overall pick in 2014 by Arizona and came over as part of the Schmaltz for the other guy trade. Here's the other guy. Strom? Strom. Don't ask me what his first name is. I will be wrong. Dylan. Dylan. (laughs) Um, Spot on. Patrick Kane, best contract. I know it seems like an anchor, but the dude still put up 110 points last year. He's not exactly a discount, but he's still an, a superstar, and mm. you're paying him superstar money. Um, Ole Mata is maybe a fine contract. <laughs> he made four. He makes four point oh eight three a million million a season. He's injury prone, but he had a four point nine point share in a healthy season before last year. He's not a stud, but he's adequate. But his and honestly, is okay. I'm just trying to give the Blackhawks the benefit of the doubt so I don't seem too homer before I rip into them because Brandon Saad has two years left on a $6 million a season deal. And even though he got up to 47 points last year, they still traded our Timmy Panarin for him. Duncan Keith has $5.38 million for four seasons. He had only 40 points last year. He had 6.0 point shares. He's already 36 years old. And if you thought that was the worst contract they have for a defender, my friend, you were very wrong because they are paying Brent Seabrook Brent Seabrook $6.875 million until the end of time, which is five years from now. But the no, end of time. It never ends. Brent Seabrook's contract will expire the same year as 
the next next presidential election. Oh, wow. (laughs) His contract will end and we'll be ramping up to whoever either beats Trump or replaces Trump as the Republican ticket. That's that's life. That's what Brent Seabrook... That's Brent Seabrook's life. (laughs) (laughs) This is your life on Brent Seabrook. (laughs) The Blackhawks made some typical Blackhawksian moves this summer. They traded Artem Anisimov as a cap dump. They traded for Andrew Shaw because he's a former Blackhawk, so it must be a good decision. Yeah, they already got Brent Seabrook back. (laughs) (laughs) Went and got Olimata at the cost of a decent prospect in Dominic Cahoon. And honestly, I can't even criticize that one too much. They lost Chris Kunitz, Cam Ward, Marcus Kruger, and Peter Holland as free agents, and if that's not addition by subtraction, it doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, they added Robin Lanier for one year at a $5 million clip as a backup option to Corey Crawford, which clearly means they do not expect Corey Crawford no. to play this season. They traded Henry Yoki Haru for Alexander Nylander, a trade that everyone thought they lost. Mm-hmm. Um... They had the eighth best PDO last season, so even as bad as they were, they were technically very lucky. Um, not very lucky, but lucky oh, enough. Lucky. They had the six most high danger goals against last season. They won't have Cam Ward, so it might improve. <laughs> All of their goaltenders were negative and goals saved above average last year. Is Lanier the real deal, and can he carry them to this team, or is he just? okay on a good defensive team and he won't make that big a difference this year. They have one of the worst cap situations in the NHL. Uh, They are absolutely locked into their cup core for $33 million for the foursome of Kane, Taves, Keith, and Seabrook, the soonest of which expires in four seasons with Duncan Keith. Um, They rival Crosby, Stills, Nash, and (laughs) Young. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Malcolm. <laughs> um, they do a they do get a tremendous amount of relief when the eleven million dollars of goaltending they have this season both come off next season. But also they then have no goalies, so <laughs> they have to pay somebody something to be their goalie. Um, no dead cap money, so I guess that's good. But beyond that, there's not a lot of reason to be excited. They have no second-round pick next year, no third in 2021. Uh, they have some extra sevenths in there, so woohoo! They were 14th best farm system in Pronman's rankings last year. Boquist, who was number one in that group, should still be a stud, but they promptly traded Cahoon and Yoki Haru, their second and third best prospects there. And they arguably reached by drafting Kirby Doc. Uh, for third overall this year. So uh, when guys like Turcotte and Cousins and Byram were still there. Nobody's sold on Jeremy Colleton yet, nor should they be. <laughs> I just, I think they're a disaster waiting to happen. I yeah, really do. I constantly forget that that's who their coach is. Yeah. Gun Jeremy. to my head, I would never, I'd never be able to tell Jeremy you. Jeremy Ambient. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is everybody's Ambient now? Yeah. Uh, shall we move on to the Edmonton Oilers? Oh, yes. In fact, they seem a little they seem a little too high, you would think, at 24th on this list. Yeah, there's one reason it's Connor McDavid. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. 
Ken Holland is there now. Dave Tippett is there now. When I looked at this earlier, I started looking at the cap hit for the Arizona Coyotes because mm-hmm. I saw Dave Tippett and I forgot that he could coach <laughs> a different team. Um, they have Jesse Puyarvi remaining unsigned. He will remain remaining unsigned. He will not play again, I don't think, for the um, Edmonton Oilers. God, I don't. It's almost boring to bury these guys. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has two more years left at six million dollars. It's fine. He finished last season with a very nice sixty-nine nice. points. Um, he feels like sort of the opposite of a Kevin Hayes to me, where they're like underpaying a guy who's a pretty good second line center mm. instead of overpaying a guy who's not a good second line center. Um, but obviously he's going to get the hell right out of Dodge when the opportunity avails itself in two years. Oh my God. It's got to feel so good, right? Uh, yeah. You I'm got UFA. just counting the days. <laughs> you just like, like the chains magically unlock and you just walk out the front door. That was always an option. Yeah, like, holy shit. I can just leave. Oh, uh, the Ottawa Senators come calling and you're like, okay, this sounds sure, like heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Oscar Quebbaum, like Olimata, I suppose is fine. <laughs> uh, he's 4.167 million for the next two, four years. He struggled to stay healthy the last two seasons, but had 38 points and was a plus seven with a 7.6 point share two seasons ago, three seasons ago. Uh, and so he's fine and a fine price. Where do you even begin on their bad contacts? I guess you begin on the one they added most recently, which is James Neal at effectively $6.5 million for the next four seasons, considering the three-quarters million they added to unload, what's his name, Milan Lucic. Lucic. Um, He had seven goals, 12 points, 12 assists, and 19 points last year in 63 games. It's the first season since his debut in 28. 2008, 2009, that he had fewer than 20 goals. We both said and still think that he has, of those two players, the best chance to rebound, but he'd sure better do it Mm -hmm. at that price. And even a rebound to, let's say, 18 goals on average for the rest of that time does not make that a worthwhile price. My computer keeps screaming at me. Uh, Chris Russell has $4 million for two seasons remaining on his deal. He hasn't been relevant for several years. He's entering the second half of a four-year $16 million contract. It's almost over. He had a 3.7 point share in 72 games last year. Bortuzzo was a 2.9 in 59 games last year. So imagine paying Robert Bortuzzo $4 million a season. (laughs) Uh, Miko Koskinen maybe not awful, but just so baffling, the circumstances I, around this thing. I say it feels like a it feels like a little weird nightmare. Yeah. He got paid three seasons worth of four point five million dollars a season the day before his general manager was fired, Peter Shirelli. Mm-hmm. Peter Shirelli, as I hear some Canadians call him. Because they're weird. Um talking about <laughs> He is he was 25 21 and 6 last season with a 293 goals against average and a 9 and 6 save percentage. He had some stretches where he was good. He had some stretches 
where he was real bad. And with that team, who can blame him? Maybe he's just kind of fine. He's their starter. Like, in the abstract, paying a starting goalie $4.5 million is not that bad a thing. Mm -hmm. But it's just so weird. And you just don't need to be paying him that much. And so it's just like... Is it because they had, like, nothing out? They have no other options, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I guess. guess. I don't know. I guess. I guess. I guess. What you do when you sign the contract? I think that could be, like, the tagline of the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton Oilers. Colwyn, I guess. I guess. Ellipses. Oh, they're going to say we had no other options. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's much better. You're right. Um... (laughs) <laughs> oh god that's good uh if you told me for sure that this team would have Connor mcdavid even in spite of all this through the end of his contract much less the end of his career i would put them so much higher on this list so much higher because it's Connor mcdavid but we both think this is a make or break year for him in terms of possibly demanding a trade and it's certainly going to break if that's the case so considering that it's even more baffling that they did nothing to improve this team over the summer. They got Mike Smith, they swapped for James Neal, they signed Jujar Kara and Alex Chase on to extension. But other than that, they did nothing. Ian, how many players scored more than 45 points for this team last year? Oh, no. Um... Four? Uh, no, three. It was three. Oh. 116 for McDavid, 105 for Dreisaitl, and of course, 69. Very nice. nice. For Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. <laughs> and the then after that, it was under 45? One for Darnell Nurse. Wow. And only, here's the worst part, only Nurse at 41 and Chase on at 38 got past 30. They had five players with over 30 points. Uh, How is that possible? What would Conor McDavid do on a good team? I know. Is he like a 200-point player <laughs> if he's on a good Let team? me find out. I know. The Edmonton Oilers are killing the NHL. <laughs> They're killing the NHL by holding Conor McDavid hostage. Uh, for the most part, they have all their picks. There's a really wacky stipulation on next year's third involving the Lucic deal. It is so hard to understand that I won't even explain it. They were 22nd in Providence rankings last year, but they're terrible at player development, and I don't trust them to not screw up Kaylor Yamamoto and Evan Bouchard the same way they screwed up. Jesse Pui Harvey, who was a higher draft prospect than either of them. Can you guys. imagine seeing this shit happen with these guys as a prospect? Like seeing oh. this Pui Harvey stuff and everything as like, like oh, Kaylor Yamamoto cool. and be like, I'm so fucked. I'm like ruined. My career is over. Oh, Jesus. That Ken Holland is maybe moving him in the right direction slowly. But mm-hmm. it takes a long time to turn around an aircraft carrier. Poor Ken Holland is going to lose Connor McDavid, and they're going to be like, Ken Holland, you fucked up. And he's like, I, what the fuck was I supposed to do? You assholes yeah, have been awful for yeah. so long. I don't see how that team... Imp- it's like the weird... It's a catch-22, in that you can't improve that team without trading Connor McDavid. And also, it makes no sense to trade Connor mm-hmm. McDavid because he's Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it. I'm glad it's not my job. This team was god-awful in 2010. It's going to be god-awful in 2020. Like Dave Tippett is fine. Mm-hmm. So there you go. He He's going to instill some defense with that team, just like Ken Hitchcock and oh, some yeah. of those other coaches. Oh, yeah. that they said. Vesna. 
trophy. Mm-hmm. Book it. The Columbus Blue Jackets are next. Yarmo Kikalainen is their GM, and John Tortorella is their head coach until he wears out his welcome at the end of the season and is fired. They have the third most cap space of any teams in the league at $15.77 million and have only Zach Warinsky remaining unsigned. Their only, only, only good contract <laughs> is with Seth Jones at $5.4 million. He is an absolute stud of a defenseman, so having him at that much money is a steal, which of course means they should probably trade him. Um, is he just? They just have him for one more year? Three. Oh, three more years. But okay. I don't think they're going to be good in the next three years, oh. so if somebody offers you a haul for him now, go do it. Yeah. Um, the worst contracts are numerous. Uh, <laughs> Alexander Winberg's a little hard to pin down because he was very good a couple of years ago, and he's still only 25 entering the season. Uh, but he had 59 points two years ago and then had 35 last year and then had 25 or had 35 two years ago and 25 last year. What the hell happened? Ian's so mad he's taken off his shirt. Oh, it's <laughs> fucking shirts be skins. <laughs> shirts be skin. the podcast. Uh, Gustav Nyquist, classic free agent situation where we're overpaying a free agent, but we've got tons of cash and we have to sign somebody situation. He had 60 points last year. He's not a 60-point player. Mm-hmm. Um and they signed him at $5.5 million for four seasons. And then Brandon Dubinsky was, I don't think, as as with a player you'll talk about on the Red Wings, I don't think ever what you would call good, mm-hmm. but he was maybe fine at one point. He has 33, 30 points in his last 123 games over the last two seasons, and they're paying him $5.85 million this season and next. Yikes. Uh, I think we can make the story of the Blue Jackets pretty short and sweet, though, all things considered. They went for broke Mm -hmm. at last year's trade deadline, and they advanced past the first round for the first time ever, completing one of the most shocking upsets in the history of the NHL. And then they lost in the second round to the Bruins, right? They got... Six games? Yep. They weren't swept. It was a six-game series, right? Um, So, greatest season in the history of the Blue Jackets, arguably. But now Bobrovsky is gone. Panarin is gone. Duchesne is gone. Dezingle is gone. And now they're left to pick up the pieces. And there are not many pieces to be picked up. Uh, Could be picking Alex Lafreniere next season... With the first overall pick. Man. This team could be that this, bad. I never really thought about that, but yeah, this team is just a skeleton. There's nothing there. Um, they're still missing a second and third from next year. So God forbid they really tank. Um, and a 2022 fifth and a second from 2021. So they don't have a second round pick until 2022. They were already only 25th in Pronman's rankings. They've got a number of fine prospects like William Foody and Vitaly Abramov, but their only potential stud, Kirill Merchenko, is, of course, in the KHL for a few more seasons. And because they hemorrhaged draft picks at the trade deadline this year, they didn't draft anyone substantial at the 2019 draft in Vancouver. 
The only reason the Blue Jackets aren't lower on this list is that I've got more faith in Yermo Kikalainen than I have in some of the other general managers we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. But things are bad there. Things are real bad, I think. This is like... This is like the Islanders losing um, Tavares, but on crack. <laughs> and also in the sense that the Islanders at least had like, ooh, some nice, some really nice pieces or whatever. Mm. I mean, Blue Jackets have some good defensive pieces, but like forward core-wise, it's just a shell. Yeah. Yeah, it's real bad. It's very bad. Um, speaking of the... Nobody. Speaking of nobody, <laughs> I thought for some reason the Islanders were next, um, but we already talked about them a long time ago. So, <laughs> so forgettable. Uh, let's say, speaking of the Anaheim Ducks, Bob Murray, Dallas Eakins at the top of this thing. Hey, Dallas Eakins. $8.5 million. Uh, the best contract is unquestionably goes to Ricard Raquel, and John Gibson Raquel is a two-time 30-goal scorer making $3.789 million a year. Um, even at... The 18-goal, 25-assist pace he put up in 69 games last season. Nice. Uh, <laughs> even at that pace, he's fine at that cost. But if he returns to 30-goal form or even close to it, it's an absolute steal. And I think John Gibson is the very rare case where you gave the goalkeeper the right ticket at the right time for the right length for the mm. right cap value. He's only 26. I think he's the best goalie in the league, but even if he's just top 10, you can afford that for $6.4 million from 26 to 33 or whatever it would be. Which I think last year when they signed that contract and I didn't know enough about John Gibson, we kind of panned. So, no, I think we definitely did. Yeah. Um, so good for them. Good for them for you, knowing better than we proved this podcast wrong. Worst contracts are just... The top four contracts on their cap friendly page. Uh, $8.25 million for Ryan Getzlaff for two years. Look, he was great. Now he's old. It happens. Uh, that's not one that's like awful mm -hmm. because what are you going to do? Uh, Ryan Kessler, $6.875 million, has probably played his last NHL game. He has three seasons left on that deal, so they'll put it on LTIR, but they don't have a lot of extra money to throw around, so wasting $7 million on a non-playing player, even if it doesn't hurt your cap, is not something that's great for them. And then really the two worst ones are Adam Henrique, who's making $5.825 million for five more seasons. Inexplicable. Inexplicable. He has never put up more than 50 points. He is a third-line center. And it might not be disastrous, but he's Tyler Bozak. So you're paying Tyler Bozak that kind of a contract. And Jacob Silverberg, 39, 39, 49, 40, and 43 are his points in the past five se seasons. And they're paying him $5.25 million for the next five years. Years, it strikes me as a please-don't-leave-us contract, but they should have let him leave. <laughs> um, and finally, Cam Fowler. Uh, this is just kind of a flash-the-warning-light situation because he might still be really good, but he's making $6.5 million for seven years, and he had 23 points in 59 games last year at a minus 14. I'm willing to say that was an anomaly, but he's in danger territory. <laughs> The Ducks are entering the long, dark night of the soul. They waved Corey Perry. They're finally starting to, like, oh, so, we're, so we're screwed. Um, 
or bought out Corey Perry, didn't waive him. So they've started the dental procedures. Not not the dentist that we know is. Mm. We know that's uh, Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson, yeah. you know. And, he doesn't uh, like that, Stephen. Pete DeVore is the OBGYN. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sexist to imply that women whine a lot, but Pete DeBoer whines a lot, so it's the best... It's the best, you know, cross-section of whining and doctor humor that Look, I can find. that's the best this podcast can do, <laughs> yes. okay? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, um, I do think the Ducks have some de- de- decent prospects. <laughs> These prospects be decent. <laughs> Maxine Comtois, Sam Steele, Troy Terry, and Isaac Lundstrom. Uh, and they drafted Trevor Zegras. At number nine this year, who could be the Getzlav of the future, Brandon Tra- Braden Tracy should be a fine winger uh, who they drafted at 29. So that's a really nice pipeline, and they might be pretty high, I would think, on problem rankings this year. But is it enough to pull them out of the fire? I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Troy Terry and Sam Steele should be everyday players this year, I would think. So we'll see just how good they are. They've got a lot of potential to climb, but it... They are one of the potential climbers, but they gotta they gotta really hit some home runs for sure. Bob Murray, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Dallas Eakins has been the hot new coach on the block for a while, but he's once again been handed another pros- project that maybe he can't salvage, <laughs> and he'll be skateboarding. Oh, poor Dallas. Um, so, yeah, those are the Anaheim Ducks. Ian, why don't you tell us about number 27? What's behind door number 27? Oh, it's just the old Detroit Red Wings. Old, musty Detroit Red Wings. Uh, general managed by Steve Eiserman. He's back home. He's with his team. He's going to be the general manager. Things are looking great. You have head coach Jeff Blaschel. He's a guy. He can coach. Uninspiring. Uh, Cap space. They are dead center. They're 16th best and worst in the league. They have $4.57 million left remaining. They have no remaining RFAs, so they can do with it as they will. Mm-hmm. And they won't do much. Uh, best contracts. Again, we're getting to the bottom of the barrel here. So there's really only one best contract on this team, and that is Dylan Larkin. $6.1 million for four more years. He had a 73-point season last year in 76 games played. Larkin had a rough sophomore season in 16-17 with only 32 points. But Larkin bounced back with 63 points in 17 and 18, and then, of course, 73 points this year. I think there's this is their only good tra- contract. They have some okay contracts, but this does seem to be a steal if he can stay out as a 70-point player, 60-70-point player. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're paying him $6.1 million, just a skosh over into uh, $6 million there. Just a skosh? Just a skosh. I love it when you say skosh. <laughs> I don't know. Lights up my world. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, well, that's great. I've learned something new today. Let's move uh, on. Worst contracts. Uh, Justin Abdelkader. Really, couldn't you just say all the contracts oh, I mean, are the worst contracts? They're, they're all not great. A lot of them are expiring, but a lot of them are also RFAs mm. for like with arbitration rights. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh no, this is you're gonna Joel Edmondson yourselves right <laughs> in the foot. Uh, Applicator four point two five million for the next four years hasn't turned in a forty point season in the last three seasons, going twenty one, thirty five, and nineteen. He's already thirty three. you've got Franz Nielsen. Getting paid $1 million more, $5.25 million for the next three years. Had two 50-plus point seasons for the Islanders over three years ago. Has barely cracked 40 points in his three years with Detroit, going 41, 33, 35. He is 34 years oh, old. Oh, 
really? 34? Yeah. They've got both these guys until they're 37. And he hasn't even had a horse named after him. Mm. I used to get Gustav Nyquist yeah. and Franz Nielsen under, mixed up. I would say understandably. But. Yeah, of course. Uh, some notes. The team has 10 players on their starting roster over the age of 30. Their players that are entering their prime are not very prime. Anthony Mantha's last three seasons were 36 points, 48 points, and 48 points. And Andreas Anthanasiu had 29 points, 33 points, and then 54 points this year. These were guys that maybe, I've said this multiple times, I'm misinterpreting as players they thought were going to be the future and turned out to be not great versions of Jaden Schwartz. Mm Mm-hmm. Which isn't great for your core. <laughs> you have an aging core. You're trying to supplement with these young guys. Your young guys are fine. With one of them who's a disappointing Jaden Schwartz. And one of them who's a fast Jaden Yeah, I was going to say, one of them's very quick. Uh, both are RFAs next summer. Arbitrations for all. And to all a good night. <laughs> uh, their D-core's average age is 29 years old. If you took out their young 21-year-old that's listed as their top seven defenseman, it goes up to I believe almost 31. Uh, Mike Green's 33. Jonathan Erickson's 35. Trevor Daly's 35. But all three will be off the books next summer. I don't know if they have great defensive prospects. I feel like they're going to have to re-sign at least one of these guys to buoy that back end for a while. Uh, this team has no standout goalie prospects that I can find. Its current goalies are 35-year-old Jimmy Howard and Jonathan Bernier, who is just Jonathan Bernier. Mm. Pipeline. Can you imagine being just Jonathan Vernier? I mean, I was, all I could think was, like, he's fine. Yeah. He's fine. Uh, they have nine picks next year, uh, two in the second, two in the third, so at least they're stockpiling picks. They seem to understand, at least, that they're going through a rebuild. They got that German guy this year. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, they reached know. on a German guy in Steve Eisenman's first draft with uh, his old team. Moritz Sater. I guess this is the Say time to reach. Say your Passover prayers and eat your Passover food because it's the same. I was like, I don't even know what it is. If I go to my local schnooks during Passover, though, they will have Passover, like, a section. Uh-huh. So there is For Passover sure. food. Spoiler alert, one of the foods is marshmallows. I've seen that before. <laughs> that really? Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe schnooks just thinks those are matzo balls. <laughs> Marshmallow right? is just the Jew word for marshmallow, right? They both start with M. They both look like this. <laughs> I think they're good. Um, their pipeline in Detroit actually isn't too bad. Young scoring threat Philip Zadina will be looking to crack the lineup this year and might just inject some excitement in this tired roster. Joseph Valeno and Michael Rasmussen are promising prospects, but after them, it looks a little bit thin. Jeff Blaschel is a coach. I guess he's fine because they haven't gotten rid of him, but I also always feel like is he here until, he's here until you get a little good and then you go, we need somebody else. Oh yeah. To get the fuck out. Yeah, that's the DJ Smith treatment yeah, we'll yeah. talk about in a few minutes. And uh, Steve Eisenman, honestly, I think is the best part of this team sans Dylan oh, yeah. Larkin. Like, they need the Eiser plan, baby. You hope that he can do to this team what he was able to do with the Tampa Bay Lightning. You would hope that he's even more compelled to do it for his old team. You've got to feel some hope that he's there. Aside from that, as a Detroit Red Wings fan, like the other hope would just be that it seems like they understand that mm-hmm. they 
are in a rebuild, but it also seems like the rebuild is just this weird, long road of, like, here's some young guys. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, they're fine. And then it's... To an extent, it's T.G. Oshie, Patrick Berglund, David Perron all over again. And then it's like, these guys are fine. Yeah. But they're, they're not pushing any buttons. They're not getting us over the hump. Yeah, and they've got a lot more dead weight on top of it. Oh, yeah. So much more than we ever did. Yeah, for sure. So, let's move now to our final three, which are, for those not keeping track at home, which I assume is none of you, the Ottawa Senators, the Minnesota Wild, and the Los Angeles Kings, and we will start with number 28, those very same Los Angeles Kings. These are the LA Kings that won two cups. Uh, they beat the Blues a bunch. We hated them, and now we can just sit on their face. Oh, do they suck so bad. Yeah. Oh, boy, do they suck. General Manager Rob Blake, who I don't even know if he's good. Uh, head Coach Todd McClellan coming back to California after his stint in the California Great White North. California love. Dur, 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 dur. <laughs> you got it. I can't put that in because we already opened a... You know, we opened one of the Pacific Division previews with that song. Oh, so. okay. I was saying, I thought you couldn't do it through the like, rights and stuff. And I was well, like, it's never yeah. stopped us before. <laughs> um, I'm not messing with Dr. Dre. Maybe mm-hmm. you want to. <laughs> or Tupac. Well, maybe that <laughs> Maybe they're both involved because uh, I think they work together a lot. I'm bad at rap. Yeah, I'm bad at West like, Coast rap. Have I, like, I revealed, you know have I revealed my rap? blind spots? I sure love Jay-Z. Um, <laughs> that great Southern California <laughs> rapper, Jay-Z. <laughs> also known as Hova. <laughs> See, I don't know. Maybe. Um, they have $8.74 million in cap space. They have a remaining RFA in Adrian Kempe, who had 28 points in 81 games last year. Uh, I had 29th overall in 2014. I don't know if he's good or bad. Who knows? Best contracts. Al- Alex Ayafalo at $2.425 million for two years. I have his uh, Young Guns card, so oh, he better okay. be good. I mean, if, <laughs> I just get to say that a lot now. <laughs> if he can improve his production, this deal looks really good. Anything under three is a steal. Alex Martinez, $4 million a year for two years. Uh, a- Do you mean Alex? Alec Martinez. Martinez, sorry. Excuse me. Wow. Martinez wasn't healthy for a chunk of the season last year, but he's a key piece on LA's back end and worth the sticker price. Uh, worst contracts. These are fun. So <laughs> you have Ilya Kovalchuk at $6.25 million a year for two years. This was bad when it was signed a year ago, and it got worse. Um, 16 goals, 18 assists for 34 points in 64 games played. Kovalchuk. We signed Ilya Kovalchuk, <laughs> and it gets worse. Yeah. He had a disappointing year last season and didn't think there was much he can reasonably do to make this price tag and term on this contract worth it. Oh, what if he just, like, pops 40 this I mean, year? sweet. Just like, huh? The thing is, he could do that, and it wouldn't matter on yeah, this team. It like, it wouldn't do anything. It certainly would not. You're correct. Dustin Brown, who I almost feel bad skewering because he had a good last two seasons. He can count to... <laughs> you sure can. You can count a potato because he looks like a potato. Uh, $5.875 million for three more years. Had 51 points last year. The season before last, he had 61 points. But the three seasons before that, he cracked 30 by just hitting 30 once. 26 points, 30 points, 22 points. 
uh, regardless of yeah, his Yeah, he, like, weirdly revitalized yeah. his career, but it's, like, too little, too yeah, late. Yeah, it's like, okay, and can you do that for the next three years <laughs> yeah, of that? I don't think so. You have to pay your captain that. Oh, wait, you don't. He's not your captain anymore. <laughs> you ripped the sea off the dude. Uh, L.A. finished second to last, or finished second to last in the year in the, they finished second to last in the standings last year. 71 points. They were 30th in the league in goals four with 199. LA's core is aging with Kopitar, Brown, Dowdy, and Carter all over the age of 29. It doesn't help that these are their main producers either. <laughs> uh, young guys like Ayafalo, Kempe, and Wagner will need to step up big time over the next couple of seasons if they want to keep the Kings competent. Uh, Tyler Toffoli, another weird guy. Who did they draft this year? Alex Turkett? Yep. I mean... He'll be fine. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. <laughs> good player. Tyler Toffoli falls in the weird, like, did you think he was going to be Jaden Schwartz <laughs> oh, category yeah. I have in my brain? He's a Valerian Nichushkin yeah. for sure. Uh, he looked to be a big part of the core moving forward, and he isn't progressing to the 60, 70-point player uh, that you, I guess they would have thought he would have been, at least 60 points, but regressing back down to a 40-point player, ending his uncharacteristic or ending this season with uncharacteristic 34 points in 82 games. He wasn't even injured. Uh, not good. Not very good at all. Like, uh, I remember for a hot second being like, Tyler Toffoli, shit, we are boned because <laughs> that guy's good. And, uh, no, he's not. He's not actually good. He's got a fun-sounding name, though. Mm-hmm, he does. Toffoli sounds like a tasty pasta. Oh, that's true. So, you know. I never thought of that. Um... <laughs> Does Jeff Carter still have the magic? No, of course not. <laughs> he too had an off year last year with only 33 points. And he wasn't even injured. <laughs> At age 34, I'm doubting we see any of those 60-point seasons out of him in the future. Even Jonathan Quick stumbled, having some of the worst stats of his career. He is also not getting any younger. At age 33, Kings fans better hope he rebounds because he has four more years on his contract. Last year's stats were .888 save percentage and a 3.38 goals against average. Literally, I think his worst save percentage, except for like the five games he played in his first season ever. Um, and we talked about Ilya Kovalchuk. The guy is a cancer in the locker room. Him and Willie Desjardins, interim, former interim head coach, did not see eye to eye at mm-hmm. all. I can't imagine as Todd McClellan coming into this locker room, you're super psyched to have Ilya Kovalchuk on your team. Uh, there's a lot. I read a lot of quotes of players saying like Ilya Kovalchuk's like a great, a, a oh, lot that's of effort. A good sign that that's a bad situation. Yeah, they're like a lot of effort from that guy, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, this it sounded weird. It sounded so weird that everyone was like, his effort's great, and I'm like but not him, or not who he is as a human, or he's not a great teammate. I never heard, like, teammate. It was just, like, lots of effort out of that guy. He really likes to shove his middle finger in my face. With a lot of effort. The racial discrimination, not so good, but the effort. Yeah, the t- effort grew. Hey, that takes a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it puts effort into hating other people so much. L.A.'s old core is locked down for the next two to five years. Tyler Toffoli will be UFA next summer. What price will he command? Currently makes $4.6 million. you got to think that if L.A. is not willing to go, I don't know, to like something in the $6 million range, maybe even 7 the way things are going with the contracts, that he's probably going to walk. Uh, L.A. will have an additional $18 million to play with next summer, but will anyone want to come stay in the City of Angels? Ben Hutton. Do you know who Ben Hutton is? I know that he's not... R. Hutton. He's not Carter Hutton. Yeah. Do you think Ben Hutton... And he's also not whoever who don't. Oh, Charles no, he's, who don't. he's not that either. 
Do you think he's in, like a good player? Do you think he's like? I think he's like a fine defenseman. Desirable sure, player. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's a middle of the road at best defenseman. Ben Hutton turned down a contract offer from the Kings this summer during free agency. If this guy doesn't want to play for your team, who the fuck does? Like, they can't get anyone out there. And it's even LA. I would have felt awful as an LA yeah. Kings fan to not get Panarin. To not get Panarin. It was like all signs Panarin for a really long time mm-hmm. leading up to free agency, and then all of a sudden. It was like for two weeks, it was like, no, 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 it's Rangers, Rangers, Rangers. Mm-hmm. This team's way too old. Yeah. And much like Detroit, they don't have any guys other than maybe Turcotte and a guy here and there that's really going to buoy this team in the coming years. You have quick aging, you have Drew Doughty, who's good, a, a very, very, very good defenseman, a great defenseman, but getting paid $11 million for the next, like, seven years. Mm-hmm. You have... Anze Kopitar is your best player by far, and it's a steep drop-off after that. Like, Jeff Carter's fine, God, but maybe aging. we should put them lower. I don't know where they move. Like, I, as a team... Oh, they don't? That's what I mean. I don't know how they climb up. They can't go much I further think, down. I think if I was... I think on the spot, I'm going to say they should be below Ottawa. <laughs> they shouldn't... Yeah. Ottawa has a little more promise. Ottawa's they have a, got a chance. I mean, they've got Eugene Melvin. Well, like you said, the owner's chance. So you want to move to Ottawa then? Yeah. So the Ottawa Senators, comparatively, are in great shape. <laughs> they have Pierre Dorian, <laughs> TJ Smith. Uh, this team is uber prepared for the future. <laughs> oh. uh, $15 million to spend. Colin White to sign 41 points in 71 games last year. Not a big deal. They have no good contracts. (laughs) So there is that. They have no contracts over one year that are of any value at all other than entry-level deals. They do have some bad contracts. Would you like to discuss those? Mm. Nikita Zaitsev for five years at $4.5 million had 14 points as an offensive defenseman on the Toronto Maple Leafs last year. Now, here's the thing. He's only 24 25, and it can't be worse. It can't get worse. So, by definition, it could get better. Mm-hmm. Um... And I think it might, but will it get 4.5 for the next five seasons better? Probably not. Mm. Um, Bobby Ryan, oh boy. Uh, (laughs) 15 goals, 27 assists for 42 points last year. He was also minus 29 and a shockingly low 2.9 point share in 78 games. The sad shell of the once great Bobby Ryan. I forget that. Like, I know... The contracts was he up there. Good I forget around that he the same plays. time that Danny Heatley was an all. <laughs> the weird time where you're like, what? Where it made it made sense at the time, and now yeah, it looks now weird. Now it's like, huh? Yeah, probably. And like Devin Setaguchi was good. Mm, I mean, Ryan Getzlav and Corey Perry kept. Um, why am I blanking on his name? It's right there. Bobby Ryan uh-huh. afloat. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And then he left and isn't good anymore. The Senators have hopefully already hit rock bottom. It's hard to believe it could be worse than next last year. They got bailed out by the draft lottery so that the uh, 
Avalanche only got the very, very, very good Bow and Byram and not the potentially franchise-altering Jack Hughes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Byram's potentially franchise-altering, but he's not quite a Jack Hughes. Uh, they have some hope in Hot Sam Bacho, real name Thomas Shabbat, for those of you who aren't following Bribing Fire for Six, which is a, a very big mistake to make in your life if you're not. Uh, Eric Brandstrom, who they got in the deal with Vegas, the Mark Stone deal. Uh, Brady Kachuk is a young stud and other youngsters. But Eugene Melnick is still their owner. So... What are you going to do? They were ranked 13th by Pronman last year. Logan Brown needs to make the jump this year. Is they, he, uh, is he uh, St. Louis, St. Louis guy, of course. Got, got a rep. Yep, got a rep. Um, they have a lot of depth in their system, if not a lot of high-end skill behind Brandstrom. And they drafted Lassie Thompson. Lassie, come home. Uh, their first-rounder from this year, thanks to Columbus, should develop well, and I do really like the goaler they drafted early in the second round, Mad Sogard of Denmark, I want to say, who I liked a lot in last year's World Junior Championship. I honestly think Pierre Dorian is, like, fine and maybe even good, but he's mm-hmm. under Melnick, so his hands are tied. And DJ Smith is exactly what you said about Jeff Blashill in that he is there until they get good, and then he will be fired. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean... In terms of, like, do they have young players to be excited about? Yes. In terms of do they have anything else to be excited about? No, 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 no. <laughs> so I think they're better off than the Kings. I think yeah. on a second look at it, they're better off than the Kings. But it's not, that's not saying much. Mm-hmm. So shall we do it? Shall we bury the final burial? Mm-hmm. Shall we prepare for... Um, I can't think of any Minnesota songs or I'd stop and play one here. Mm. There's the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota by Weird Al Yankovic. Oh. Look it up, folks. The Minnesota Wild. The biggest ball of crap in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> the Minnesota Wild. From the top bottom, from the top to the bottom, they are due. It is two months before the season. They do not know their general manager, although it will probably be Peter Rondon Shia Hexwoodell. Um, well done. <laughs> thank you. They have Bruce Boudreaux as their head coach, still some crazy how. And they have $9.46 million in cap space with which to sign Joel Erickson and Kevin Viala. Jason Zucker is their best player on their best contract at $5.5 million for four seasons. He's had 20-plus goals for the last five seasons, including one 30-goal season. He is their best contract and best player, and he is perfectly affordable. So it's no wonder why Paul Fenton was so hell-bent on getting rid of him. Hopefully, with the arrival of Peter Rondon, Chiax, Model, they will choose... <laughs> Not to trade Jason Zucker for no reason, mm-hmm. but who knows. Matt Dumba, like Ali Mata and uh, the other one before him, is maybe fine at $6 million a season. He had 9.3 point shares a couple of years ago. Very good. And 50 points in a plus 15 in 82 games. Last season he was injured. So if two years ago is the real Dumba, then $6 million is a steal. Worst contracts. 
where do you even begin? Victor oh. Rath, let's begin there. He had nine points. Nine points? Nine points in 49 games last season. The biggest disaster of the Fenton era by far, besides the one that Phil Kessel put the kibosh on, uh, was trading Nino Niederreiter straight up for Victor Rask. They have him for three more seasons at $4 million. The other arguably possibly biggest disaster of the Paul Fenton era was signing Matt Zuccarello for $6 million in five years. He's basically been a 50-plus point player each of the last five seasons. And this contract will probably be fine this year and next year. Mm. But it's a very win-now move for a very not-win-now <laughs> team. And, of course, their twin $7.5 million-plus-dollar contracts originally for 12 years to Zach Parisi and Brian Ryan Sutter uh, that still do not end until 2024-2025. So... That will have ended after the next presidential, <laughs> oh the next God. next presidential election. We could have had a whole. We could have been on a, another president, a different president. We could a have second had two time. presidents yeah. between oh, now and then. Um, and that when was that even signed? Twenty, two thousand five. No, two thousand three. When was the last lockout? 2024 to 2012, right? 2012 season. Yeah. 2012-13. Yeesh. This team was already in disastrous shape before the Paul Fenton era. And then Paul Fenton just... Just twisted the knife, man. mm, That's almost an understatement. Mm -hmm. He dropped a nuclear bomb (laughs) on a a nuclear wasteland. He dropped a nuke on Chernobyl. That's basically what he did. Two players over 50 points last year. Two players over 50 points last year. And Jordan Stahl, Jordan? Eric Stahl, barely made it at 52. Zach Parise made it to 61 last year in a real bounce-back season for him. Mm-hmm. And he wants out. <laughs> Why? How is Bruce Boudreaux their coach still? But yeah. you look at a team like Minnesota and you think at least at least they've got to have some prospects in the mm-hmm. pipeline, right? They must. They have to. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> they were 18th in Promman's rankings last year. They seem to be screwing up guys like Jordan G- Greenway, Joel Erickson, Eck, and Luke Coonan, another or Cunnan, as I've heard, Come another St. Louis boy. And Kirill Kaprizov, their best prospect by far, is still years away because he's stuck in the KHL. Matthew Boldy was a good pick, but is he going to save them? I don't think so. Bruce Boudreau is as meh as it gets. They have two months until the season, and they don't have a general manager, and the best options available to them are Ron Hextall and Don Waddell, neither of whom are inspiring. They could get Peter Shirelli. They're also supposedly talking to <laughs> Pierre Maguire. Please. This is the worst franchise in the NHL. It is the state of hockey, and they are a blight <laughs> to this league. Any thoughts on the Minnesota Wild? I, for the longest time, I thought Minnesota was like, when we talked about the Flyers, was a team that was like, you know what, not, 
not a great team, but they're always going to threaten to be in the playoffs. And at any moment, they could make a trade here and there, and they're like an actual dangerous team. And I was waiting for it and waiting for it all throughout college, and I thought maybe the Parise-Ryan Suter signings were it. I'm like, that's it. Put them over the top, baby. And they'd run into Chicago in the playoffs, and they'd lose. And, and time ran out. And weird things started happening, and weird trades, and weird signings, and like you said, it just got weirder and weirder with Paul Fenton times a million. And now I just, they gotta start over, and that's what I was thinking, you said Parise wants out, and Parise pretty much has gone on saying like, oh, more or less saying that he like, can't, you can't be there for a rebuild. But the weird thing is... But he can't be traded either. But the weird thing when he says that, I swear... And maybe it's just me reading into this. I swear it's him basically going, So guys, you can't rebuild while I'm here. And it's like, <laughs> we have to, dude. Because If you... If, if they wait that long? I mean, if they wait out even half of that? If they ate $3 million a season on Zach Parise, would you be interested? How much is he making again? 4.5. Oh, if we had... He's making four point five if they manage yeah. if they subtract a three, until twenty twenty five though. But that's the thing. It's like that's I don't want thing. him don't for want that, that long. Yeah, I don't want that. That's that's like that's David Backus. Yeah, a smaller guy too. Like like if if Zach Parise hit free agency this year, yeah. and you gave him five at four point five, you'd be furious. Oh, I'd be so pissed. So it's sorry, dude. Yeah, sorry, dude. Be better. Yeah, <laughs> like be better. We signed you to be the face of this franchise. Be better. That video from uh, whatever it is, I can't think of the name. Uh, but that video about like the the day the Minnesota Wild died, you oh, can yeah. find it on YouTube. So well done, and one of the points it makes in there is like neither one of those guys were franchise players then, mm-hmm. and they signed them as like a pair of franchise pillars. And it wasn't to be. Jordan Craig Leopold is not a good owner. The Nashville Predators were mediocre as hell for him under him for a decade. And now the Minnesota Wild have been mediocre as hell under him for a big part of a decade. And then there's always there was always talks right when Yo got fired that like Prize and Suter are like real good friends with Leopold. And it was like this weird like, oh, they're like going to the top to get, like, uh-huh. yo fired and stuff like that, or, like, friends with him and Fletcher, and it was just, it was really weird, and I wouldn't feel comfortable there as a coach, and I, they have to start over, and they have to sell assets, but some of these assets are unmovable. Some of these yeah. assets you have to just literally let go of, like, Eric Stahl or whatever. Just let him, because you're, no you're not going to get much for him, so you just let him walk to get space and cap room. And you're just going to have to start drafting better. And that's the thing. Your GM's going to do that, man. And your GM options are not great. This is the this is the guy that's going to draft and try and save your team or start the rebuild and they're shit. Yeah. They're shit options. Yeah. It's like we revel in this because you hate the wild and I have grown mm-hmm. into hating the wild because of it. But at this point, I almost feel sad. No, I, I kind There's of just do. There's no hope. There's nothing to hang your hat on. Mm-hmm. The best thing they have is that Kiro Kaprizov or Matthew Boldy might make a difference in two or three years. That's like the best they got. 
And there's and that's the thing. They're not going to be bad enough to get a first overall pick mm-hmm. in the interim. That's gonna change their franchise. This is that. This is that this awful is, middle ground. This where you're is just the like, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, you oh, were just yep. stuck in seven and nine perpetually because you're too good to be bad and you're way too bad to be good. And the it sucks. And the the Buffalo Bills have been there for two decades now. They went to four straight Super Bowls. They didn't win them, and they've been there pretty much ever since. <laughs> So it's just it just sucks, man. It does suck, but that's the reality of it, and that's why we did this misery index. You have anything more to pour on the grave of the Minnesota Wild? Um, man, I hope the Vikings are good. <laughs> that's right. The Timberwolves, maybe, are, yeah. are all right. The Twins. Hey, the Twins are real good this year. They might win their division. They're going to hit more home runs than any team ever. So. That's great. Go Twins. That's the their last sporting championship was the Twins in 91. So. Yippee. Uh, yeesh. I feel bad, but I feel great because the St. Louis Blues, Stanley Cup champions. And here's the good news, ladies and gentlemen. We don't have to trade with anybody. Yeah. Where would you put them in this? In terms, that's a good question. Where? What number would you toss them in? As we um, shove a team down and make room for our team. I I mean, they're defending cup champs. So, so some I people mean, are going to feel number one. angry if I don't yeah. put them at number one. Realistically, I think I put them behind the Maple Leafs and above the Rangers at four. Is that too high? No. I, I think I, they're above the Bruins at the very least because they're younger than the Bruins and already I, just beat them. I was working my way down. Like, Colorado I really like, so, like, I understand why someone would be like, I'll take Colorado right now. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, super fucking good. Toronto, again, yeah, same sort of thing between those two. But, yeah, I think right when you hit the Rangers at four, I'm like, this is a very good team. I still think we have decent prospects coming up and a great team now that, like, we can be just as promising mm-hmm. as that team. So, yeah, I could see us as, as high as four. And you know what? Hardly matters because we won the yeah, Stanley Cup. Fuck it. So. Um, we went a little long tonight, but we were getting a lot covered. So thank you for bearing with us. And we went short last week. Yeah. So uh, We've got a lot of stuff coming ahead this summer, and then it'll be hockey season before you know it. Holy moly. Anything else to say to the people? Um, you know, hit me up. On the street. <laughs> I, I was going to plug weird I, social media I don't ooh, have. I, I, we forgot to mention this. I walked past Pat Maroon today, so, you know. Or not today, but two days ago. And I was saying, not. I didn't walk by it. He was in the stadium when was, I was there watching He was on play. the phone, and I walked past him, and I stared at him in absolute You should have like, oh, Pat uh, We'll have to. It's been a long night, so we'll recount that story next time, if I remember. That's pretty much the whole story. I did pretty much recount it, but I can make it 15, 20 minutes. You can have the really detail. Try. You can, you can <laughs> J.R. Tolkien it. Um, but until then, uh, if you're from any of the 49 other states in the Union, have a wonderful night. If uh, you're from Minnesota, we love you. Uh, we care deeply for you. There are professionals you can call uh, if you feel like you need help. Um, stay stay so, strong. Stay it's still strong. summer. It's summer. The twins are still good. Jose Varias, very good pitcher. We love you. And good night. Good night. Well, I-
of vacation time coming after working all year down at Big Roy's heating and plumbing. So one night when my family and I were gathered round the dinner table, I said, kids, if you could go anywhere in this great big world now, where'd you like to go to? You said, Dad, we want to see the biggest bottle of twine in Minnesota. They picked the biggest bottle of twine in Minnesota. Crossword puzzle, Spider-Man comics, and Mama's home.